Hey folks, welcome to episode 170 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode features one bad mamma jamma, Nathan. He's a brown belt in jiu-jitsu at Trident Martial Arts in the United Kingdom. And he has a, um, a project, which is walk, which is called Walk a Mile in My Shoes. And it's going to be, it's a world record attempt to go 1,350 miles barefoot from, um, from Scotland all the way to Land's End, which is basically from the northernmost part of the United Kingdom to um, the southern part. And that's only the start of his journey because Nathan has had a, a wild and turbulent life with that's provided him with a lot of like mental uh, mental health challenges despite the opportunities that he's had in sport Um, for him doing a walk like this is a way to get closer with himself and to become more acquainted with the highs and lows within his own mind Um, Nathan is an inspiration to me because I've struggled a lot with trauma as a child and to be able to put that into place in my life, find out behaviors and routines that make me feel okay and are actually like functional, good for me. They don't hurt people around me. Um, I don't hurt myself. They improve my life. And Nathan is such a beautiful human being all of us have so much beauty inside of us, but when you get to go and look at somebody's heart and watch them wrestle with their self image, their purpose in life and where they want to go. It's so such an enthralling story, no matter who you are. And Nathan just lays it out all on the table. In this episode, we talk about um, what it's like for him to be, to walk, walk barefoot and she's been doing now for I think uh, over six months and his experience doing jujitsu how that's uh, affected him from having like a a troubled youth and how that's changed his trajectory as an adult and then we dig into some other stuff about you know how to cope with like self-worth and um, and expectations ambition ego and more Uh, you can check out Nathan on Instagram at walk a mile barefoot. Um, and I'll be sure to post any of the, the charities that he is um, raising money for when it comes time for him to do his world record attempt of walking 1,350 miles barefoot. Woo! Nathan reminded me of my love for idea and abilities and the power of some of the lyrics and the meaning that I got from these these two songs. So before we get to the interview, I'm going to play you um, a song by ID and Ability called The Rain. And after the interview, I will play you out with another beautiful song called The Walls Came Tumbling Down. I feel like both of them fit this interview quite well. Without any further ado, here's Rain by ID and Ability. Rain 
Everyone wants to get out of the rain Wants to be free, wants to see no more pain We're guaranteed that the seasons will change Till then I'm keeping sunshine on my brain When the drops hit my head they leave a stain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Harvested love only comes after rain Even though it brings overwhelming strain It falls from all skies so I can't complain Without it our growth would not be the same most people like to have someone to blame But it falls randomly, not taking aim It makes up one half of the yin and yang Without the water, you can't have the flame Without the water, you can't have the flame Some are content holding ground in their game But when my soul steps to exit this frame I will be reincarnated as rain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Wants to be free, wants to see no more pain We're guaranteed that the seasons will change Till then I'm keeping sunshine on my brain when the drops hit my head they leave a stain everyone wants to get out of the rain we cannot avoid nature's bleeding pain but i smile while it trickles down the drain Thought only comes after rain Artists may talk and give it different names When they appear wet they may feel ashamed So they don't walk but instead take the train And when that ride stops they notice the strange Sense of degeneration they've obtained While the world evolves they stand and turn lame Storm is prerequisite to mental gain Storm is prerequisite to mental gain Philosophies like that simple and plain Poets play with words to keep themselves sane You do your thing while the clouds pour the rain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Wants to be free, wants to see no more pain We're guaranteed that the seasons will change Till then I'm keeping sunshine on my brain When the drops hit my head they leave a stain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Harvested skill only comes after rain Architects build under sun so they claim But when the puddles decided to hang It's when their hands gets the plans that remain Every man secretly hopes he can tame The beast he fears most cause it can't be slain Towering gray faces laugh so deranged One day we all will break free from their chains One day we all will break free from their chains And rise towards the sun with good health sustained It's almost impossible to explain But I owe all my success to the rain Everyone wants to get out of the rain Wants to be free, wants to see no more pain We're guaranteed that the seasons will change Till then I'm keeping sunshine on my brain when the drops hit my head they leave a stain everyone wants to get out of the rain everyone wants to get out of the rain everyone wants to get out of the rain
Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm excited, especially as like, you know, I really relate with you on the um, jiu-jitsu side of things. You've been doing martial arts a lot longer than I have. So I love listening to people's, you know, perspectives who have like put in the time. And yeah. the, the barefoot thing is fascinating to me because um, I have like, all right, get this, man. There's like a variety of people. I think I live in the same like, you know, like northern latitude that, that you do. And yeah. so the winter's here and shoulder season, spring, fall can get pretty cold. Um, uh, there's a variety of uh, students in martial arts that I noticed that um, they have limited like blood flow to their toes. And yeah, yeah. They'll, yeah. Wear, they'll wear socks and stuff like that because it's a lot harder for them to, they want to warm up because it's pretty painful or uncomfortable on the mats. Um, doing like yoga, going barefoot, um, skateboarding, looking at my coach who has like a, or my former coach who has like a bunion or hammer toe or something like that. He was yeah. doing martial arts my senior for, you know, two decades and whatever he did, he, he had messed up toes. And despite, you know, all of his like training and things, it could have been the quality of his training. But despite like his athleticism and martial arts and things like that, like his toes were jacked, man. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. and like I was looking at my own self, you know, my mom has like flattening arches and she wears like orthotics and support. And I always thought those things were kind of interesting because like orthotics didn't seem to like, like, I really appreciate them because if you need to go to work or if you need to get your stuff done, they're very supportive and they, they help you continue to do that without being in a lot of pain. However, I've never seen orthotics, like make your foot stronger or make your foot more able and capable. And, yeah. And there's like, when I did pushups though, like, you know, my arms and my, uh, my shoulders become more stronger and capable. And so that was like really hard for me to, to like, to, to witness and then just ignore and just keep, you know, keep training for instance. So I was yeah. like, well, maybe there's something different that I could try, you know, and I learned, I did quite a bit of a research in a variety of areas. Um, but I noticed that like the barefoot running movement, um, the, the different kinds of shoes that people wear, where it's like, uh, you know, the zero drop and, and very thin soles and being able to like feel your environment. And I was like, but I'm barefoot all time, all the time in martial arts. So what's going on? And I look yeah. at like the mats and the mats are really interesting because like you, you, those, I appreciate having mats to spar on and things like that. But like when that's only your experience being barefoot, I, I was like, well, doing yoga and doing balancing postures on like concrete and all these hard surfaces, it was much more tiring for my foot, but easier to be in balance, if you will. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at my, like doing yoga, you have to like, do like sometimes complicated like single leg balancing positions you know and you you load like it almost forces you to load your toes and to load your heels because of the way that your body's orientated over your foot when i look at like jujitsu some of my friends like you know they're pushing off with their heels and things like that and i was not using my toes throughout my martial arts training as well um, yeah and when i would go and do like skateboard Every time I'd go skateboard and I'd skateboard barefoot, my feet would get sweaty. Jiu-jitsu, yeah. my feet would be cold and numb. The rest of my body would be super sweaty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was actually talking about this the other day in, in the gym um, mm -hmm. with a couple of guys because there was a, a one guy in particular whose feet was like, you know, like the white color. That, yeah, that's what I mean. That's I got yeah. a handful of dudes who are like this. So keep going. Yeah, yeah. And um, we were actually talking about the possibility of when we when we like looked into his actual game 
mm-hmm. of of how he plays jujitsu. He, he's a, a lot of guard stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so off his back, never really coming on top much. Um, and I was actually thinking about the if you think about the circulation of blood, mm-hmm. if your feet are constantly elevated in a in you know in a full guard or a, a seated position mm-hmm. um, or on your back playing open guard, um, then there's no blood flow going to your to your mm-hmm. feet. Um, whereas the the person who's taking a top position, mm-hmm. they've got normal natural blood flow going downwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was interesting to see the two the the one guy who's the guard player with with his, his white feet and then mm-hmm. the guy who was the wrestler on top who was like uh, trying to pass guard his feet were good in terms of circulation wow. they weren't discolored um, so it's quite cool to see that that is really cool to see do you have you had any experience yourself when you've like gone um uh go, going barefoot in the cold where you were like concerned like oh is this gonna hurt my feet are they gonna be really numb or my feet gonna get like frostbite or are they gonna warm up like what's that like? Yeah, so um, basically, one of one of the main issues with this with me training for this walk um, that I've encountered straight straight off the bat was um, obviously winter, mm-hmm. and I was curious or and cautious to see, you know, I, I don't want to do too far outside barefoot in in the wet cold weather and then give myself not necessarily frostbite but cold weather injuries um, uh-huh. where where that can affect me later on. Um, so I've been very cautious of it, but I didn't anticipate it being as hard as it was. Um, <laughs> like you say, I've been I've been in the gym now for, like I say, 12 years, and, and I get good hours on the mats every day. And I'm always obviously barefoot when I'm doing that. So I thought to myself, well, I spend quite a lot of time barefoot, and I'm always barefoot in my home. Um, not out of choice, just 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 randomly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not, not like a, a conscious thing. So... Uh, my plan was to do the challenge is called walk a mile in my shoes. Um, obviously without shoes on. <laughs> and um, my launch for that was to do a the first mile, a one mile walk um, on Remembrance Sunday mm-hmm. with a group of friends who are all veterans. So we measured out a mile from um, where I live to the nearest cenotaph. And we got together and then we planned to do the walk. Um, and where I lived is like a promenade um, along the, the front by the, by the by the River Mersey, it's called. So it was like a prom. And I thought that'll be, you know, won't, won't be too hard on the feet. It's quite smooth surface. surface um, and it shouldn't be too hard. And it was quite sunny. And within like 200 yards of walking, I was like, wow, this is like walking on sandpaper. I never realized <laughs> how how painful this is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I originally had in my mind of, you know, doing a certain speed of walk, um, getting a certain amount of miles done each day on the, when I, uh, when I attempt a world record and straight away in my head, I was questioning, well, I'm not going to be able to walk that fast. I'm going to have to walk this fast. And, and, um, yeah, it was a really big, big shock. I'd say the first mile that I did, um, in, in that first mile, what's, what's going through your head? Because like I've had, you know, I've walked out outside on like, you know, large grit pebbles that are embedded in concrete and then like yeah. really smooth concrete. The sometimes those things can be very painful on my feet, but I've noticed when I consistently do it, it changes from day to day. But yeah, before I like got had those experiences, 
I was just like, well, this is why I'm not supposed to be barefoot. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But one of the things I've noticed is that the the most painful places to walk are all man-made places. Mm. Um, so you know, it's 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 roads and and pavements and and things that we've made. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we as engineers decide, oh, this is how a road should be made. This is how a, a pavement should be made. That's all based on a human wearing shoes. Mm. You know, they weren't made. They, were, they didn't make the roads or the or the pavements designed for barefoot people. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can tell that when you're walking. But the moments I've done uh, woodland trails, country trails, um, you know, the beach, the even the beach with the the slippery coral and the and the, the sharp stuff and the sh- shells, it's still not as bad as walking on the pavements and the roads. Really? Yeah, I found. Um, you know, it's things that like for example shells which are quite harsh on the feet mm-hmm. they break mm-hmm. whereas glass and tarmac and things <laughs> that that doesn't break <laughs> no. so you know that's um i'd rather experience that type of pain on 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 the coastal sections than i would walking down a road when you experience like this kind of foot pain not not like glass of course but when you're experiencing this kind of pain that you look and there's no like damage being done to your feet, right? Like I'm thinking of yeah, just yeah. walking on concrete, for instance. And like, it's just uh, for, for me anyways, I experience like skin pain, right? Not like yeah. inside my heel or anything like that, not muscle or, t- or um, tendon pain, but it's like my skin. And every time I like, if I look at the bottom of my foot though, my skin's fine. Yeah, it looks the same. So how do you reconcile with that kind of pain? Like what is your relationship with that kind of pain? Yeah, so what I've noticed um, in terms of my body and my feet, and like I say, it's only been such a short time, but I've been I've been barefoot now, like not 100%, but I've been barefoot three quarters of every day pretty much, um, doing outdoor walks and stuff like that. And, you know, yesterday I climbed Moorfamu, which is like a, a hill. It's like a mountain slash hill. I did the whole thing barefoot up and down. Um, and that was, you know, mountainous rocks. Um, wow. And yeah, um, so what I've noticed with, with the pain on my feet is initially I start walking and obviously like, like you know, dependent on the ground, um, you know, if it's concrete or something like that, it's, it hurts um, and there's certain areas along where you have to slow down mm-hmm. and then certain areas where it's like, oh, that feels so much easier than the, the 100 yards before and you can speed up a little bit. Um, you constantly have to look down to, to look at every single step you're taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment you look up, you step on a stone or you kick, kick your toe on something. So, um, yeah, with the with the with that, I kind of just get used to it um, as I'm walking and try to. It's difficult because usually we, and this is one thing I've noticed a lot with um, with the looking down aspect of where I'm walking. Is that usually we when we walk we look up and we we look around and we see things, but although we're taking in all this information as we're walking, we're actually not really being present when we're when we're doing it. So we're, we're walking along and we're seeing people and cars and buildings and animals and trees and whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and because we're not actually stopping, we don't actually take in most of it. Um, so I was walking through the woods. Um, on one of my walks and I was trying to dodge these like acorns these like acorn little shell things that were horrendous mm-hmm. and 
I saw a a cow in the field. Uh, so, sort of came over towards the edge, edge of the woodland to, to like to look at us, and I thought, well, I want to stop and look at that. I, I know I can't keep walking and look at it because I let my feet, so I have to stop, look, take in what I want to take in, and then carry on walking. And it made me think when I was doing that. I wonder whether, you know, hundreds of years ago when people were barefoot, they didn't have shoes. I wonder whether that's why they appreciated life a bit more than I think most people do nowadays because they were actually stopping and being present rather than just walking through life, mm-hmm. looking at all these things but not actually taking any of them in. Um, so that was kind of like, it's hard to distract yourself when you walk, when you go on a, on a, on a say, 10-mile walk with your shoes on you're distracted by all of these little things that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. When you're doing a 10-mile walk barefoot, you're looking at every step that you're taking. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty hard to distract yourself from the pain. So rather than avoiding the pain with most things, which we do, we try to like, you know, listen to music or we do that, you know, we, we give ourselves a distraction. I found that I've had to, I've had to tackle the pain face on and just accept it and that it's not going to get, any better in my mind so therefore if I accept it as what it is it's not going to get any worse and so that was the kind of the way I deal with the pain what I've found which is more painful than the actual walk is when you stop when you finish the walk Mm -hmm. and I sit down or get in the car or um one of the funny funny things I did was I went to the gym one day when I first started doing these barefoot walks and the weather was horrendous. So I thought, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to jump on a treadmill. I'm going to do a 5K walk. Um, so I put the, the 5K on, put the speed at like, you know, four miles per hour, four miles, yeah, four miles per hour. And I was like, oh, this is easy. Walking, you know, walking really fast. And the moment I got to five kilometers and stepped off the, I didn't feel any pain at all, by the way, this whole time. The moment I stepped off the treadmill, it was like I'd been, sandpaper in my feet oh my gosh <laughs> yeah and i'm like you say my skin didn't look any different my feet mm-hmm. weren't red there was nothing wrong with them but it was like i couldn't even if i'd walked on pillows it would have hurt mm-hmm. and for three days i couldn't step on the ground oh my gosh <laughs> and i was just thinking to myself how is that possible that like, it didn't hurt at all whilst i was doing it but the moment i stopped mm-hmm. it, it, re- it you know it killed um and then the other thing is nighttime when I get in bed that's like the this is to do with foot pain um I'm noticing that like little scratches or cuts or bruises I, I won't feel them all day and then the moments I get in bed and try and go to sleep I'll start feeling the foot itch and and little sores here and there and it's it's, it's really difficult to try and get to sleep because it, you know my, my feet are hurting mm-hmm. um so that's that's all I've so far that's all I've experienced in terms of my feet um but I've been very surprised by how well my feet are adapted to the cold mm-hmm. is one thing. Did that happen immediately for you or did you, are you noticing that over time, the adaptation to the cold? Yeah. So what I, I do a lot of cold water therapy. So I do a lot of open water swimming. Um, I do a lot of like. You open water, you do open water swimming? Yeah. I've, I've started doing that over the last year or so, but I, originally I was doing, you know, where you, you get into like into the sea or the, or, or a lake and you just stay in there for like five minutes and, and you, yeah. Like a cold plunge kind of. Yeah. Like an ice, ice bath sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so I started doing that and 
I, I've never had any problems with my feet in terms of the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, what I noticed with outside is it's like a, as I've been walking, especially through this, as it's getting cold, colder, is that um, it's like an initial shock and pain. Mm-hmm. And then that, that, that shock and the feet of the coldness, it like lasts for me. It lasts for like maybe 10 or 15 minutes and, and it's, it is really hard. But when I get past that, I don't feel my feet anymore. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether it's a good or a bad thing at the moment. Like I've got complete feeling in, in my feet now, obviously. Um, but when I'm out walking, it's like they they adapt to the cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like, like I say, yesterday was quite, the other day was quite a cold day and I did, I did you know, a good like mountains style walk and and my feet just weren't cold at all. Wow. They're fine. Um it's more the conditioning that I'm 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 still feeling every day. But the mm-hmm. coldest now is not there. There um with the I want to say that with the cold and you say that like initially like your your feet would be um uh, would go numb. Um yeah. would you get feeling later on in those walks or would they just be numb throughout the whole walk? Yeah, so it's kind of a mad feeling. So that so the they the tops of my feet would go numb, mm-hmm. and the bottom of my feet would feel like this really piercing cold. Like, but then that, it was like pins and needles on the bottom of your feet. Yeah, and then what what kind of happens then is that the top of my feet feet stay stay cold, mm-hmm. and, but the bottom of my feet become like very sensory, and I can feel each step that I'm taking. I can feel you know, the stones that are there, the gravel that's there, the mud, I can feel it. I don't lose feeling at all on the bottom. Do you have a lot of, like, colour in your in your feet or do they get white, like, you know, like the your friend in martial arts? No, they stay, they stay, they stay quite, um, quite normal. Um, but what I did notice, I did post a picture on my story a while back, um, was that the coloration of, you know, dirt. Mm-hmm. So, so there was like a, a line going up the middle of my foot towards my big toe. It was like a squiggly line. Mm-hmm. And you could see where I'd been placing all of my weight and where I had not been placing my weight because obviously the, the side that was dirtier was where my weight distribution had been. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting to see. Oh, that's cool, man. Because that's like, so when I would go, um, I'd go running, right? And this thing would happen. I'd run with shoes on and I'd be trail running. And I would take my shoes off. Sometimes my, my whole foot, like the bottom of my foot would be really warm, you know, and, and full of, full of color, kind of flush little red and my toes though, specifically my big toe. So it would be white, like no color at all. And the first thing that I go back to is, is like, I was talking to this nurse one time and we were talking about blood vessels and she was saying that like your blood circulation, um, when you, when you move, obviously, like when you move a specific part of your body, you know, if you like were to rotate your, um, your arm in circles, your scapula, you know, will start becoming flush with blood flow. Um, because the blood needs to be able to flow in order to carry the nutrients there so that you can facilitate the movement and keep doing the movement. Right. Um, and you know, if you do it at a high enough intensity, like an area can get like really sweaty, for instance, yeah. to try to maintain like homeostasis in your temperature. But, uh, her and I were talking about, um, blood flow and she was saying, at least to her knowledge, I haven't really looked into this further, but like you have, you have blood vessels, right. And blood vessels have a certain, um, uh, 
they have like a certain diameter and they can flow a certain amount of volume of blood, right? And the more that you have blood flows in a particular area, your body over time will either create new blood vessels, um, you know, in that area, uh, or they will increase and or they'll increase the diameter of the blood flows itself. And, yeah. and that's what I was interesting because she was um, giving me like an IV and she like missed one of my veins. And we we're talking about like people getting their, um, their veins collapsed or leaking out blood, for instance, because, you know, when you poke a needle in there and you remove the needle, yeah. it has to heal. And I was just wondering like how blood routes itself. But I was thinking about, you know, my feet and my feet don't get really white anymore unless I'm like out in the cold and running, for instance, and I'm not like using my toes. Um, yeah. but I wondered about like, about blood flow and about like the more that you engage your extremities in your body, do you like, does your blood circulation improve over time by creating more blood vessels and creating, you know, more th thickness in the, the diameter of the blood vessels. Um, and to, to like follow that up, I have an experience. I like to do learning how to do handstands. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, and in push-ups and like planche push-ups, you're trying to get a lot of your weight, you know, into your, um, into your, like your knuckles and then learning how to push with your fingers. I realized yeah. like, cause I teach yoga, um, that people push a lot out of the heels of their hands. And yeah. it reminded me that there's an amount of people, not everyone, and some people don't get hurt by it. So to each their own, it's not like it's wrong, but they like walk on the heels of their feet. Yeah. And, and like in some people I've had, you know, like my mom's a good example where she has a lot of foot problems and they constantly like her doctors keep advising her not to walk on her heels so hard. And I can hear her all the way across the house, bang, 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 walking, you know? Yeah. Um, and when I was doing these planche pushups and handstands, I realized that like I had no grip strength really, you know, like, and I didn't realize even in pushups that I had to engage my fingers at all. And yeah. And then martial arts is kind of the same thing with, you know, using your grips for like your gay grips and things like that. I spent my whole life before doing martial arts and before doing handstands, like not doing anything but typing, <laughs> Yeah, you, you yeah. know, and like, and so I, I, I found, found that interesting. And um, when I do certain activities, my palms get really sweaty, right? My palms don't just get sweaty from walking around or anything like that. Um, and the same thing I feel like applies to my feet, but blood circulation also helps with um, being able to regulate body temperature. So I've wondered that if you have a higher amount of blood circulation by actively using those parts of your body, if then when you go out into the cold, right, your body becomes more and more effective at circulating blood and keeping your feet warm and active. Um, yeah. They, they do that with, uh, in like a, Alaska, it's my understanding that there's like dogs in the snow and they'll get like little foot booties for the dogs so they don't hurt their feet. Yeah. Um, on the cold. But there's like a whole practice that they do with sled dogs where they soak sled dogs' feet in cold water. And yeah. by soaking their feet consistently in cold water throughout like the summers and the warm times, those dogs are don't wear booties at all and they run ridiculous amounts in the cold and stuff. And the theory yeah. there is is that. You know, they, you put your, put your extremity in the water, your body has to react if it's not a traumatic or injurious, you know, like, um, stress and the stress response is going to usually flow blood through there. Right. And the, yeah, yeah. the better that it is, the more that you practice, like, it's just like push-ups. the more that you practice push-ups, right. 
the the better that you get at them and it appears like the more that you soak um you know uh then the better that you can get it flowing blood and being able to um, warm yourself up like kind of yeah. like wim hof i guess yeah definitely I've, I've i've you know i've done the cold cold water therapy now for two years and and i've been in where i've broke the ice to get in and whoa um it's been i've seen people come along because we tried to get as many people involved as possible because i think it is good for you for your mind and, and your body mm-hmm. um but what i've noticed with with that is that um is that you so i've had people come along who are new to it and obviously i've been doing it for a while so i walk into the cold water you know say it's like five degrees mm-hmm. and i don't get out of breath and i can control myself and i can get in the water and stay in there um and i'm fine and then you see these people who who are new to it they come and get in and and they're they lose their breath and they're panicking and they, they settle down and then they can only do maybe a minute or if that, and then they get out, mm-hmm. which is good. Um, but I don't think it's because my body is any different to theirs. I think that my body has become adapted to doing yeah. what it is I'm doing. And I think I, I read into this a while back about um, like types of stress. So me and that guy who are walking into the water, we both will be experiencing stress. But because I've adapted my body to get used to what that stress is, it's not a a negative stress on the body. Mm-hmm. Rather than you're not adapted to it, and then you walk into the water, and then your body's never been, you know, it's never been exposed to this, and all of a sudden you're in you're in freezing cold water. That's not a good stress. Um, but the only way to to move from the negative stress to the to the positive stress, which I think is positive stress, mm-hmm. is to do it. Um, you know, you can you can only get good get adapted to it by doing it, and I think that mm-hmm. it's the same with the walking. Um, I, I tried to look into all these different doctors of movement, and you know, look at their advice on how to place your foot on the ground and mm-hmm. how to walk. Um, and then I kind of just thought to myself, you know, the human body is a great, it's great at adapting. So I thought, I'm just going to take my shoes off and walk. And even though I'll be walking wrong, eventually my body will have to adapt and I will start to walk how I should walk without overcomplicating it It, and and thinking about how to place my foot. I just walk. I think you, you have this experience in a lot of things, right? Where you're like, you're trying to study forms and how to do it. And it's like, that's a a good thing to do, you know, to go and study and all those things and become aware. But like, you kind of get to the point where it's like, well, you know, I can just like, I can place my weight in the middle of my foot on the inside of my foot and the outside of my foot, you know, like, there's like, you could break it down to just being able to make your own decisions and critically experiment with your choices. Like that, that's, I guess that's how I got with the barefoot thing, because I was just really as a DIYer and someone who, you know, is really passionate about like, um, my body, I guess, um, and how I can use that in this world. Uh, the feet just became a reason to experiment more. It's like, what can my feet do? You know, yeah. what, ha- what happens if I, cause I, that's what, I guess that's what you, you, you talked about that earlier, which is like subjecting yourself to um, appropriate st- stress responses can create positive adaptations. And most of the time people are doing things that look that are very impressive 
but those impressive things are usually a result of very consistent effort to create adaptations or just luck and opportunity with genetics. But most of the time, um, I'm a thorough believer that it's adaptation because, you know, like there's a lot of cool things out there. There's black belts in jujitsu who like, like, you know, small scrawny people who can crush big people. Um, yeah. th- there's like, and that's like, do you find that's like mastery and technique? And then there's people that I know who run like a hundred miles and, you know, in the trails and stuff. And some of those are like old women or like heavy set people. And yeah. it's like, uh, you know, they, they figured out how to be consistent. I have like my mom who I was saying is like, you know, is sedentary and she has like a, a variety of different chronic health issues, but like there's people that I know her age and older, which it's fine. No, no shame either way, but it's interesting to me who are rock climbing and like skiing and into their eighties. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I, um, what I found was interesting to me is that like, life kind of you you had your job before like martial arts right and you go to work and you come home and you look for like different kinds of things that are exciting or fun to do or maybe be social you know go out hang out with your friends cook some food hang with family watch some tv or something like that and like when the environments that i grew up people would look forward to like the weekend because like we're gonna go and party or something like that you know and it was like this really intense thing and um usually after partying you're like completely like trashed and tired or something right you got to go through hell afterwards um but like not wearing my jacket (laughs) outside and wearing shorts when it's rainy and seeing like you know if i can go meditate outside for 10 minutes or like yeah just trying to go and jump in the water in the ocean in december um you know safely or whatever and see how long i can stay in there for or try to like see how fast and far i can sprint like those are all like intensity and excitement and challenge and when i overcome those i feel like a great sense of reward and not because like it's a purchase agreement that i made it's like going out into the fray and taking on this stress and watching what my body does as a response you know yeah i I think that's because it's it's a win over your own mind isn't it mm-hmm. it's not these a lot of these things are never against other people um they're against yourself yeah and you know when you get when i get in the water or when i go out and walk and i'm, I'm a feet are, are really sore and you know i want to i don't want to do it or, or I look at the weather and think oh it's going to be too cold and it's it's the person inside that i'm trying to beat um no one's there you know no one's there in on on the walk with me when i'm I'm cold and I'm wet and I'm, I want to go home. I'm on my own and it's, I can't afford to lose to myself anymore um, because I think I've done that all, all, all my life. And this is why this walk's obviously a, a big deal for me because um, there's a lot to it rather than just being about setting a new world record or, or you know, or even, you know, I want to raise Raise, I'm doing it for charity. I want to raise money for charity and stuff, and I want to help as many people as I can. But the ultimate and first goal of this walk is is to do it for me. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a very important thing. Um, the the challenging yourself, but not in the ways people expect. Mm-hmm. Like you say, people see people jumping in the lake and they think, "Oh, they're off, they're crazy," mm-hmm. or they see people, "Oh, you've just done, you just climbed that mountain. Why?" It's it's um it's it the people that ask the question why they they don't understand 
Mm-hmm. And those people can't be told. They've got to be almost shown. You've got to say to them, come with me and, and you'll see why. Mm-hmm. It's something that I've had to embrace being a father as well. Cause you can get so, I mean, not even being a father, but a person, you can get so excited about the things that you're doing. You can be like evangelized and you can proselytize. Um, and even when it's something that is really helpful to you, the harder you try, the further away from it you seem to be. Like, because yeah. I have my son, it's like, I found out all this stuff about food and diet and nutrition here, son. And I just realized like that, like me doing all of that for him and explaining why that this is the way to go, right? Um, it almost pushes him further away from that. Like, as if it's like some authoritarian figure, like, I, th- I think about this about the cold. Like, I wonder why I really like, you know, I like to go out to the cold when it's raining and stormy. Like, I feel so motivated to go outside and just be in it. And in the, my previous jobs, um, before I got into this kind of stuff, like when I'd go out there, I'd be like, God, these fucking people are making me go out there. And usually like to replace a windshield or something, some more of like a commodity, you know? And it's like, why, why do you got to work on this day? It's so cold. I can't use my hands. But now I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get the most chaotic day. And I was like, what was the difference? Well, I guess the difference was, is I initially came to these conclusions voluntarily. I like was inspired by role models and I wanted to put myself through the grist you know, and to really understand like what I'm, what I'm made of, what I can adapt to, what is real suffering and like, what is real success and confidence, all these things. Right. But like, if, if I had an employer or if I had like my parents um, or a teacher and they were like, no, you have to do this. If you don't do this, like you're going to fail or you're going to like, you're not able to, you know, you're going to go have to work somewhere else. It's like a completely different, it doesn't feel like the same thing at all. Yeah, I think um, ultimately, you, you, and this is one of the things I've said um, about about the walk that I'm doing, um, that every step that I take will be on my own, but I know that I'm not alone. Mm. And, and being on your own and being alone are two very different things, but I think people, people um, think of them as the same. So... Like you say, it's got to be, no matter how much someone tries to help you or tries to put you in the right direction and, and tries to take care of you and, you know, and we all have those people in our lives, they can only take you so far. It has to be your choice. And the more, like you say, I think it's the, I think as humans, we are, we want to be free. And so we have a natural rebellion inside us. The moment someone says you should do this, you there's something inside you that goes, Well, should I? Um, or if I do do that, how can I do it in my way? Mm-hmm. Um, or it depends. I, I believe we're all at different stages. It depends how how absorbed you are with I think that it's quite controlling nowadays in in, in society. Yeah. I think the further you are involved in in, in sort of in, in, under that control, the more likely you are to rebel against the people who are saying, you should try this, you should try that. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably immediately say no to it because society tells you that's not normal. Mm-hmm. It's not normal to walk around with, you know, the amount of people I get, I get looking at me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I don't I, I don't judge they, they could be looking at me wondering what I'm doing yeah. they could be looking at me thinking that I'm some weirdo um, but even myself I struggled and I still do struggle a little bit with that because um, I feel like I'm walking down a road and all these cars are going past me and I'm thinking are they looking at me thinking this and that and I know in my mind I know that I shouldn't care I know why I'm doing it and if someone wants to stop and ask me, I'll stand there and talk to them. You know, on that walk the other day up the mountain, I had a lot of people stop me and ask me what I was doing. And as cold as I was and as sore as my feet was, I stopped and talked to every single one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're just happy and fine in their, mm-hmm. in their hiking boots and warm, not understanding that although I'm being friendly and, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to promote my cause and tell them what I'm doing, inside, my feet are killing me. I'm mm-hmm. freezing cold. And I don't really want to be stopping for anyone. I want to get down off it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, I know that I shouldn't care about the judgment of what people think or don't think. But again, I think that is naturally built into us now with, yeah. you know, the, the society that we live in where it's all about an appearance. So I I see, like, we have these external pressures of, like, you know, that it's, that, like, society it appears fixates on like appearance and status and like um things of that nature however like i would um i would push back against that a little bit and that like society like you know obviously says those things like you look at like superheroes for men and models for women right and like there's like certain things that you can never actually attain but they are materialized in imagery and visuals and in our art and our you know, in our entertainment and things like that. Right. Um, and even in our stories, like even things are ex- sometimes are exaggerated of great figures. Right. So we have this like a uh, misrepresentation of who people genuinely are, you know, like Gandhi definitely had his faults. Like he was an amazing yeah. man. And he also like slept with an underage slept in the same bed as an underage girl. Cause he was trying to see if he could like trust himself to not try to have sex with with a young child or not which was kind of weird but um you even find like martin luther king's uh he was like a a a devout plagiarist and i i don't know if his wife knew or not but like he would he would have like speeches and things like that and after his speeches he'd go have like wild sex like with all these other women and you know i don't like that's like that's the story of people you know in a lot of ways like we we have our, our ups and downs we have our problems and the ways that we contribute positively to this society and to reality it's not because we're like some saint that is you know fully amazing at every single second it's like those little glimpses of beauty those little glimpses of sainthood of like of our of our higher self um but like just because you're born you know, like this, this whole like self-confidence and believing in yourself. Right. Like for me, I, I grew up and I didn't have a lot of that. I have a lot of self-doubt. Uh, martial arts can be difficult for me because it's like, it's hard not to advocate for my opponent. <laughs> it's hard for not like to not, when I'm grappling with my, um, with people in my gym, it's hard to not like think about what they're working towards and what's helpful to get them towards that direction, you know? as opposed to thinking about like what I'm trying to work and like really going after, you know, my submission, things like that. Um, but as I like, as I go rock climbing and I learn how to tie knots and I understand how to place my protection as I like 
step up in front of like people in a gym and I teach, you know, uh, I teach uh, technique. Um, I do yoga and I explain like, you know, how to do the yoga. Um, I go skateboarding and I uh, am able to like carve, you know, on like a, the wall of a 10 foot bowl. Um, all those things I realize talking to other people, I have a very unique perspective not of the whole world but i'm a subset of people i have a lot yeah. of insecurity and i can be a little anxious sometimes and all these other things i put people before myself and i have a hard time like you know valuing myself and advocating for myself and i met friends who are the opposite they don't they forget that people are around they forget that they have to consider other people's feelings i see it happen in jujitsu all the time like yeah or even in mma we'd go and we'd be sparring you know and this fucking dude is the guy that like I have to be careful because he's going to rock me and like, you know, in, in my gym sparring, that's kind of inappropriate in some ways. Cause we're going to get one of us going to fucking concussion, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, but like, I don't think he's intentionally thinking that I think from his perspective, you know, he's like, this is what I got to get done. And I have to like, he's about, he values himself more than other people by default. Right. Yes. Yeah. It seems to be where he's at. So with me, every time I walk into a room, I'm, I'm like afraid for whatever fucking reason I don't, I don't really know um and when i go and do something i i often undermine myself and i don't sound very confident in it but yeah. through my practice of jujitsu and like i can do an arm bar like i've been able to do an arm bar nathan for like five years i'm almost to the point where i can visualize a basic arm bar in my head and so when i yeah. tell you an arm bar like there's unquestionable confidence here that i at least know how to explain the simple arm bar when I know how to like skateboard and carve on that bowl, I've mod I'm confident in myself for the first time in my life that I can do things and, and not just succeed, but make it through to the other side. I could like jump that gap on my feet. That's five feet. And I know that it's okay. If I fall, it's like a six foot drop and I can get hurt, but I've jumped five feet like for years. I know that yeah. if I go and jump that I'm fine. And you know what, if I like, can't do an Ollie, I've gotten to the point to where like I was really scared to go to the skate park because um, I don't know if you're familiar with like skateboarding, but ollies are really hard. Um, yeah. And like some people spend years skating and they can't do them. I didn't do a lot of research when I was a, when I was a kid in my teenage years. And I thought like everyone, like I saw all these people that could do ollies. I was so afraid to talk to people who were skateboarding because I was just getting into it and they're like, can do stuff and I can't. So I quit. You know, I yeah. never, I never asked anyone what it was like to try to do an ollie. You're like, how can you progress it and make it simpler and easier? Like, you know, if I can't do an ollie, but what tricks can I try? And yeah, yeah. now I'm like, you know, in my twenties and my, I have my son and he loves to go skateboarding and we go to the skate park and I'm like this adult who goes there and there's all these like children and they're able to do things way better than I can. Like, and they're bold. They're confident yeah. that they could like drop into a 15 foot ball that they could like do a 360 in the air. And I'm way more nervous than all of them are, but I've had to learn to get like, I felt like the environment was like, like you're, you're bad. Will you suck? Like, Oh my God. You know, you can't learn very well. Ha ha. You fell. You're really afraid. Look at you. And then I like go in and actually talk with these people. And I'm like, Whoa, I was like, I've been in a delusion for years. Cause I figured out that yeah. all in does take a long time. Some people give up because kind of like blue belt, right? Some people give up because it's like, it's so hard to achieve. 
and yep. they they just self-doubt seeps in and they go look for something else easy to to achieve but i found that yep. if i was consistent enough and just practiced ollieing one day i would get the ollie and i would realize that i'm not a piece of shit i'm just a fucking person like yeah. like like i have these like built-in things inside of me and they're getting polished and washed away through experiences but I don't really know if that's because society has like portrayed that. And then even the people who like make all this content and stuff and like take the mod, like take photos of the models and the lady who's the model and they like edit the photo maybe, or you like draw the Superman and like, like how much of that is just a projection of what we actually wish we were or and afraid we weren't. Cause like the people who make those are, are basically the same people as you and I. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, yeah, yeah. like, cause yeah, I think, I've, I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've felt exactly the same. Um, and I still do, but I have, um, this is, this is what's unique. I think about, about the walk that I'm doing is that a lot of people, um, experience things in life and then they, they sort those problems out or they, or they, they, you know, they fix what's wrong. And then from that, they go, okay, I'm going to do this now. Now, now, you know, now I'm, I'm in a good place or I'm in the right place. I'm going to go and do this. But for me, I'm not in the, in a good place that people would see. Mm-hmm. I walk into the gym, I'm brown belt and, and I can go on the mat and, you know, beat a lot of people. I can, you know, it's, I've, I've done it for a long time, but the white belts and the blue belts and the purple belts, they don't know that I am sweating with nerves before I turn up to the gym. They don't know that in between each round, I sometimes stand up and hold my breath so that I don't look tired, so that they don't look at me as a as like, oh, look, he looks tired. You know, whether that's against a white belt or against a world class black belt, I'm, every time I go into the gym, I'm I'm nervous, and it's because of people, not because of not because of the sport. Um, yeah, you know, I'm the same if I go into a, a restaurant or. Anywhere where there's more than a few people, I, I'm very, very anxious about it. But I think we we all have different issues and problems, and I think what is the common denominator for most of us is it all relates back to being a child. Um, like you say, you go into the skate park and and there's all those children there and they're doing all these things because they, there's no boundary, no limits when you when you're a child. Um, and as you start to grow older, these limits start to be enforced on you and just by viewing grown-ups you go well i don't want to be that or, or i want to do that or i want to be like them or but you don't ever go i want to be like me mm-hmm. i want to i want to do my own thing i want to you know invent my own path so you you're a brown belt and Okay, in, in jujitsu, have you ever experienced this thing where, like, jujitsu is really complicated with all the techniques, right? Like, is yeah. that fair to say? So, have you ever experienced someone who comes into jujitsu and, like, what's the first thing that it's like for a white and a blue belt? Like, what are they they what are they looking for? You know, like with technique and stuff, are they expressing themselves of like, you know, um, are they looking at like all the potential of technique that they can employ? And are they just freely expressing themselves or are they, or do you find that they're desperately seeking some sense of order to map themselves to, to follow along? Yeah, I think when breaking it down, obviously it's different for every person. Yeah. Um, you know, I joined, I joined the gym 
because I was um, I wanted to learn how to protect myself mm-hmm. all, all, all my life from a child um, before I went into foster care and in foster care I was always vulnerable mm-hmm. I was always never being I, I was never able to protect myself so when I started and kind of just discovered it at MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. It was just a way of, it was negative. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where I can't say that when I joined MMA and Jiu-Jitsu, my one desire was to use that MMA and Jiu-Jitsu to hurt people. Mm-hmm. It was to go and seek out these people who, who were bullies, who, who thought they could just get away with doing whatever they wanted to do and, and go and hurt them. That was my goal from day one. And, the moment I joined when I was 15, I've never had a fight outside the gym. Whoa. Never. So you, and you didn't my even intention have, was that. You didn't even have the opportunity to, to like, to make that decision, to like make that decision to commit and, and use all of those against those, those people that you had all those f- difficult feelings towards. You immediately just transitioned to seeing past that. Uh, not immediately. Um, it was it was only when I realised, um, you know, you, you're a white belt, right? So you 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 just go mad, you just go nuts, yeah. you try and you're trying, you're fighting for your life, you know, um, and you're going against guys who are either similar, so it's just an absolute war. A guy who's a bit better, maybe a blue belt, but also kind of puts you in your place a little bit, and it's like, calm down, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna tap you. I'm gonna tap you quite hard, and hopefully that that teaches you. You know, just put that choke on a bit, a bit aggressively, and that'll make you realise, oh, this guy's better than me. I need to calm down. I'd, you know, there's like a, a similar path for everyone. I think when you get on the mat, then you go against maybe a pair belt or a brown belt who doesn't even go hard. They just like you spaz out and go mad, and then they're not they're like water. They're just moving around you, mm-hmm. being careful not to get injured, and just yeah, you you go ahead and do what you want, mate, and then. Um, so as a, as a, as the white belt, and, and particularly for me as a kid, um, there was not many children doing it. As in, I, I wasn't a child; I was 15, 14, 15. But they were all men, and these guys did not care that I was fifteen. They used to, I used to yeah. get beaten up. Um, which now it's a completely different sport. You know, now they have kids divisions, and there's and there's ch- kids in our gym who are who are world world champions. Who've you know, wow. and and they're, they're nine and ten, and it's like you know, they, they're going against other kids. And so there definitely wasn't that, it wasn't a good format back then. It was, if you wanted to do it, you have to fight with men. Um, <laughs> but I benefited from that because I got good quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got, I got very good, very quick. Did they take um, you, so then, did the men take you seriously as a boy? Like, did they like, they, not like in the sense of like, you know, I'm going to kick your ass, but like, did they like <laughs> see you and treat you as like another man? Like they like, talk to you and like you know not like as yeah, a little so kid one of the things you know it's it definitely for me saved my life um when i was when i joined the the gym i was in a place where i'd had a horrendous childhood uh, at home with with like when i was when I, before i got taken into care um you know just really Unfortunately, not 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 one bad thing, but just multiple bad things. Is that happened. when you were in foster care, or is that with your like paternal family? That was family? before, yeah, before uh, yeah. I was in foster care. So multiple bad things happening, um, and 
you know, kind of like just bad luck. What <laughs> one bad thing happens, and it's like, oh, then when it's multiple different bad things happening. Um, but obviously, when you're a child, you just you don't really you just survive. Mm-hmm. You just just keep going, keep going, survive, survive. Um, and then I went into foster care and thought, oh, it's going to be better now. Um, and again, just my bad luck. I went to places where it went, it went, it went good. Um, so it just continued and continued and continued. And when I turned 14, 15, joined the gym, I met this group of people. I didn't have a family. Um, and over the years I've met, you know, these people and they did treat me like an adult and, and they, but at the same time, weirdly, like, like a kid, like, mm-hmm. I, like they took care of me, but at the same time treated me as one of them. Yeah. Um, so I became very mature, which I was very mature anyway because of me, me, my childhood. Mm-hmm. I became very mature very quickly. Um, so they did take me seriously. Yeah, I think in 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 terms of like personal relationships with these people. Um, but then on the mat, they began to take me seriously when I started beating them. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, okay, you can't treat someone like a kid if they're going to choke you yeah. or they're going to, you know, they're going to, going to put you in an arm bar and, and they're, they're, they're coming on like, and I was, I was coming on the mat to fight, fight for my life. I was yeah. a kid. I didn't know. I'm, I'm going to try and attack and attack and attack and attack. And I probably get subbed. You know, I used to get tapped and tapped and tapped and tapped yeah. and tapped. But I was one of them, you know, you, you, if you put me in a choke, you'd have to almost put me to sleep. You'd have to almost break my arm. That's so much trust. So, yeah, I was just so much, you know, and I see a lot of people are still like this nowadays. I was just so wanting to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, I don't know what it is you've got me in, but I'm not going to give up. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I learned very quickly from that. And then as it got better, um, like I say, I got more more respect from the people, adults on, on the mat. And then you get new adults to turn up. And then I noticed that a, quite a, a shift in dynamic where it was like, you get this guy who turns up and he's he's in his late twenties or in his in his thirties, and and I'm I'm a fifteen year old boy, mm-hmm. and there's no way he's going to be beaten by me, even though he knows no jujitsu, mm-hmm. and I've been doing it for you know a year two years, and then they lose, and it's just like, it's it's like you know, they've someone's just died. They they can't yeah. they can't believe. And 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 I had people who would just accept it, and then I had people who would these you know big guys who'd try and try and then hurt me, try and go mm-hmm. harder. And it's like I've already had this for two years with guys who know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to. And that's where I started to realize that um, it's not about fighting, and it's not about um, doing this to get my own back and and revenge, and and I want to be able to hurt people. Um, it's about learning to be efficient in life. It kind of went past you to like, I feel, I feel like, you know, sometimes you get people come, coming in the gym now and, and they're, they're really fit. You know, they, mm-hmm. they do weights, they do CrossFit, they do running, they do all these things and they do one five minute round of grappling and, and they're gassed. Mm-hmm. And I always say to them, it's not that you're unfit. It's that you're not being efficient with your fitness. Yep. Um, so I think I try to be as efficient as I possibly can on the mats. And we never really try to be efficient as we possibly can in life. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, because that's like the thing that people have is like this, like work hard, not smart kind of deal. And you, people feel like the the more busy that they are, that justifies working good and working hard and being satisfied. But ultimately, yeah. the fruits of those labors is like a well-spent person. And in jujitsu, I've actually seen like someone who gets injured a lot and someone who's run down all the time and not actually not being the one who wins a lot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like that saying, you've got to drill, you know, you've got to drill an armbar 10,000 times to understand an armbar. That's mm-hmm. true. But not if I just get on the mat tomorrow and go, okay, I'm going to do, I'm going to do 500 armbars today. I'm going to do 500 next day. No, because you're just doing quantity over quality. You, you, it needs to be, I'm going to do 10 armbars today and I'm going to sit there and talk through every single step and, and look at different scenarios and different people of different weights and different size arms. and Really be and, present through it. Yeah, and, and then it's like, well, maybe you might not have to do 10,000, might have to do 5,000 because you've done 5,000 really, really good ones compared mm-hmm. to 10,000 just for the sakes of doing the reps. Um, and that's what I've started to do a lot of, especially with my walking and stuff. I've just started to take my time more now in life rather than rushing through the day and getting 20 things done. Oh, I might yeah. get five things done, but I enjoy doing them now. Mm-hmm. And that's something that it gets, it can be often lost on the ambitious, right? Is like, they'll look and you're like, I have a hundred pennies. I have so much, so much things. And it's like, that's like the same value as four quarters, but four quarters are a lot lighter in the pocket. Yeah. Like, you know, and uh, I, I have this so much because I'll like roll with these black belts and, um, and they're, they're like, I'm 160 pounds. They're maybe like 130 or like a little less, you know? and yeah. What happens is, is like, I ex- just release all this energy and they're like, just like water, just calmly moving around my energy and just like really lazily in, in, in a way. And then all of a sudden they see this opening and then boom, I'm trapped. And I'm the person who used like, you know, 90% of my energy and they use like 5% of my energy and just looked for um, a trap and they put me in the trap and used my energy to tire me out and choke me or you know, get a, get a, some kind of submission. And yeah, that I literally have that right now with my f- professional life where it's like, I probably spend a lot of time working, but like, what do I not my taps, not my submissions, but like, what are the, the, um, the consequences that to show for it. Right. And it's like, well, yeah. I'm not like, there's people out there who are making, you know, like $5,000 a month off of similar things. And so I could just be like this thing that, we tend to do where it's like, that's just me, you know, like that's, that's a them thing. I'm not able to do that. That's why I'm in this predicament as opposed to looking at personal responsibility and how do I see this is where it goes though. How do I emulate those other people? And then how do I be myself after I emulate? Cause like, yeah, that's what I was wondering about like in martial arts. Cause when I started martial arts, it's like, I know everyone's different, but like I start and it's like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I just don't want to lose. I want to win. And you're like exploding, using all this energy to win. And you realize like you, dude, imagine if someone came into the gym and you were like, they were a white belt and they grappled and it was like, all right, so we're going to do techniques. And they're like, well, I like to do like rubber guard and, you know, I like to do, um, to start seated. I don't want to do any of the standing stuff. This isn't how I express myself in martial arts. Like, would you see that as like respectful and like an ideal student? Or would you see that as like a challenge and an obstacle? I would, I would say, um, 
what I always try to do is I think everyone I, I like to call so like so like an armbar or a triangle. I like to, mm-hmm. I always because I think words are powerful mm-hmm. and little little subtle words can be um very powerful when you're speaking. So I always say my armbar or mm-hmm. my, my triangle. I don't say a triangle or, or I caught him in an armbar. I caught him. I say I caught him in my armbar or I caught him in my guillotine or I caught because it's my way of doing it. Mm-hmm. So my way of doing it may be the same way that you do it, but I can tell you that the way I'm thinking and feeling when I'm doing it is going to be different because we're all different. And I might, I might grip a di- slightly different way or I might breathe in or breathe out at a certain time differently to you. And mm-hmm. so I'd, I always try to say to people, especially when I'm doing like I do private lessons and stuff, I say, okay, that's how you want to move naturally. Mm-hmm. And you should never dampen someone's natural, like, the way they do things um but what i would do is i just point out the dangers of doing those things mm-hmm. so like if you wanted to start on your bum i'd say i'd, I'd say okay let's bump hands touch fists and then when they sit to the bum i just walk away mm-hmm. and then i'd go okay let's let's go come on let's keep keep going and then they'd be butt scooting and i'd be like well I'm just going to jog down the other end of the mat. So I'll see you in two minutes when you <laughs> butt scoot all the way down there. <laughs> and I just keep doing that. And I go, can, so can you see the point that you may want to sit to your bum, but you need to find out a way of getting to your bum that's safe. Mm-hmm. Because I'll just walk away and then you'll have to stand up. Mm-hmm. And then when you stand up and you don't know anything, if I slam you down or, you know, I shoot in, take you back, the, the, the plan to sit to your bum's all, all irrelevant, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. so I think we all have um, you know like, like you know we all have different ways in, in which we roll at. certain people like leg locks some people like getting on the back um, but do you find but do you find that like when you when you get a student in and they and you watch them as they've been there for a long time like you know from the very beginning to 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 far into their training do you find that that's that they that they always start with like I want to do this or is it like what do I do yeah, I think most people come in and they they learn quickly that just how little they, they know. Mm-hmm. So they come in and probably, um, again, this is quite a new thing, I think, over, over the past couple of years. It's like people are starting to do more like beginners courses when they come in. Mm-hmm. So showing people fundamental, you know, mount, side side control, guard, showing them things. Whereas a couple of years back, it'd just be you turn up to a jiu-jitsu class and you'd just get on the mat and then there'd be uh, technique and then you'd roll. So until the point of of you know live sparring, it would only be after live sparring where the person would go, oh wow, I really don't know, yeah, I really don't know anything, and then I think they kind of it's interesting because they kind of submit to jujitsu. Then mm-hmm. you know they they go, okay, I don't know anything here. I just got twisted up and I don't even know what happened. Mm-hmm. I want to learn that, and for me to be able to learn that, I need to go, okay, teach me, mm-hmm. um, and then. I think a very small proportion of people you get who then just go, oh, I'm never doing that again. Um, and then you get the odd person who kind of fights against the system, who kind of goes, yeah, I want to do it, but I think I know what I'm doing. And there's almost like a delusional, but you get on the mat every time and get absolutely destroyed. And then you still try to do what you think is right. So I think those people have just got a, a tougher spirit maybe. and and over time it breaks and then they eventually go, yeah, fair enough. I, I actually do need to learn because um, I don't know. And, so, 
Yeah. Is that because of society and the way that as a child that society put those pressures on them, that they know all of it and that they don't have to like, you know, def- like first that they can't, that they might, some people, a certain group of people might have trouble admitting that, you know, they don't know everything or they don't know the moves and that they have to humble themselves a little bit. Do you think that comes from societal pressures on their child? Yeah, I think, I think one of the massive things in society is, is people's egos, you know, um, and we're not taught as children, not taught in schools, these certain life skills, like how to, you know, I never had a lesson in school on how to, what is an ego and how to, how your ego will positively or negatively affect you. Cause we all have one. Um, but you know, Right now, I'd like to think if someone came up to me in the street and wanted to start fighting me, I'd go, "Listen, you're. You, I don't want to fight with you. You're, you're, you're bigger and stronger than me. I, I don't, I don't really care. You know, I'd, I'd, I would submit myself because I don't. I know what I can do. Um, if they attack me, it's different. Obviously, I defend myself. But I think a lot of people nowadays, it's all about any ego that they don't know they've got. Yeah. Um, so that's that's within the gym, and then that's not outside the gym. It's in all areas, you know, you see people wearing the best clothes or driving, you know, I did it myself. I went out and bought a fancy car and, you know, it's like, it's got four wheels and it drives me from A to B. Doesn't matter whether it's Ferrari or whether it's a, you know, a little, like I've got now, I've got a little small one liter car um, because it still does the same job. And that's all like, again, it's all ego. And I think, um, if there was a little less ego in, in the world, I think it'd be a lot better place. I would um, push back against that a little bit. And I'd say if there were just the right amount of ego, if there were the middle, because like the thing that you were saying about like, you know, someone might, some people might come in and they say like, you know, I got this, I, you know, I know how to do it. Uh, an RNC, like I could choke someone from the back or I know how to do like a headlock. You don't need to tell me. It's fine. Like, I got this. Let's just scrapple. Like I'm the person where it's like, that is like the, my Lex Luthor. That's like the opposite of me. Cause my problem, my predicament is like, I can do an RNC. Like someone's like, Hey, I got this. Like I I have my RNC. Let me show you it. And I'm the kind of person where it's not that I would want to be the person to be like, interrupt, like, no, no, no. I know how to do an RNC, but I'm the kind of person where I won't even like, it takes a lot for me to say, oh, I've had experience before. I like the detail that you did there. You know, maybe I like to add this detail or take this detail away. Like I have a trouble. My ego is so small that I'm willing to do like I've done things to my I've like given taking people out for dinner instead of paying for my bills once. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I've gone yeah. to a tournament and it's like, yeah, I might win. Like and I've thought that I was being humble. Right. But like, yes, yeah. but really secretly in my head, like. I'm trying to get to this place, this middle place, the place that you were talking about, but secretly in my head, it's like, sometimes I was masked, I was masking self-doubt and I was making my, what my, I was making it look like I was just like, you know, indifferent and I was just here to be. And then I talked to like, I'm not someone who like has, um, I say that because other things in my life, I, you know, I'd feel like insecure and nervous a lot too. And I talked to my friend, I'm like, well, what does a good jujitsu match look like? And it's like, uh, he's like Nathan Orchard and he competes like nationally or something like that. So he does really well in his tournaments and he's really has a lot of fun. And he's like, I just try to have fun. I love to do jujitsu. So I just try to out there and not like I'm going to win. I'm going to, you know, do this or that. It's like, I have a strategy sometimes. And it's because 
I'm really passionate about doing that strategy and I want to go have fun with it, you know? And like, yeah. I was thinking about that and it's like, yeah, it's kind of like with, you know, a lot of these things, like I do jujitsu because like, it's something that I should do, but it satisfies me in some way. And there's some reason why we all show up there that we could like unanimously, um, uh, work towards, you know? Yeah. And, and like, I've, I see a lot of these things because I, in a jujitsu class, you don't really control the room. You don't control the demographics in the room very much. And I've got to meet people and grapple with people with big, with egos that were way over swollen. They're like inflamed, you know, I don't know how they carried it on their backs. And then people with such like puny little egos, they probably never, I've never heard them ask a question in class. I've never like, you know, they're pretty diminutive and things like that. Um, they're kind of like when you push them, the problem when, when we're working with like the student that I have in mind, um, is that they'd like fall over really easily. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. whoa, you, you like, you need to learn how to like hold your base. And then there's other people I've grappled with just as new. And they like, you have them, you might be familiar with this. You have them in your guard and they're posting on your hips and they're like straightening their arms so hard and squeezing every muscle in their whole body that like, it feels like you have a vice grip in between your legs and, you know, to like, you have to sit there and, and, and exhaust them before you can start moving them. Cause they're stiff as a door. Yeah. Like, you know, and that's, yeah, that's yeah. someone yeah. that I just always think about, like, but for myself, it's hard. Cause I could tell you that. And I can't, I can't say for certain that like, you know, I'm insecure and I feel like I'm inadequate. So I need to like, um, believe in myself more because I've also been caught doing the other thing. Like you were saying, like completely contradictory where I was like looking down on people. And I thought that I was better than people or some stuff like that. And I was like, dude, you need to check your ego, man. Yeah. Like, and yeah. That's, that's the thing. We all, we all have it good and bad. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not saying it's something that needs to be, to be taken out completely. Um, but it's, it's, it's more, I think a lot of people, it's not even about affecting other people. I think people negatively affect their own lives with their ego sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when you look back uh, and when you're more, you're more wise, you go, Oh, you know, if I went to, if it didn't have such a big ego there, I could have, I could have gone a, in a better direction or I could have achieved something more than I, than I did there. Um, Cause like I say, you know, we all look back and we all have regrets and, and I, I'd be the same. I go to a, a, a jiu-jitsu tournament or, or or an MMA fight, and I always would question the winning and losing side of things. The first time I ever had an MMA fight, I did the fight, and then it finished. It went it went the full the full rounds, yeah. and then I, and then I always remember this because it's such a a lesson. The moment I finished, I got up and the round went, and then I got out and walked off just with a big smile on my face. And then they came running out and it was like, no, we haven't announced, we haven't announced the winner yet. So in my head, it didn't matter. I was that proud and happy of myself that I'd done that because I knew it was such a challenge for me that winning and losing didn't matter. And then that was lost as I got more and more competitive, it became about winning and losing and, and beating people. And But what I forgot was that winning was just turning up for me. I struggled to go to places where there's people and where there's crowds and where there's all this pressure. I'd already won by turning up, but 
you don't you don't tell yourself that you you, you see it as our oh, I turned up and I lost in a jiu-jitsu competition and you know I'm a failure mm-hmm. and I didn't do well I should have done better but you never we're, we're very easy we very easily point out our negatives we never really easily point out our positives I've noticed with people uh, with me and I, I, I do that a lot and I notice a lot of people do it we never really sit there and go I'm really good at this or you know I'm a really great at that or um we never like the self the self love you know like loving ourselves um I actually because I've been recently over the past few months I've been speaking to like a counselor um every week and one of the things he pointed out to me was that when you suffer like trauma trauma as a child um as you turn into an adult the trauma that you have as an adult is inside you as that child mm-hmm. so so you, the feelings that you have are not 27 year old nathan they're 7 year old nathan so one of the things that was very very dramatically said to me was if you had a seven-year-old child right now in front of you in this room what would you say to him what what would you do to him would you give him a hug would you tell him it's going to be okay would you what would you do and how would you treat that child and then I sat there and I said oh I'd say this and I'd, I'd treat him like this and I'd make sure no one ever hurt him and, and then he looked at me and said why don't you tell yourself that then now this is what you this is how you should be treating yourself now you should be telling yourself it's going to be okay. You should be hugging yourself if, if you know inside. You should be saying to yourself that you're you are good and all these things that we would treat a child like mm-hmm. we don't treat ourselves like as adults. Yeah. I think we're very harsh on ourselves, um, and I've, it's given me a lot of peace and freedom. I feel um, because I'm now starting to see that I didn't choose what happened to me. You know, I, I felt like as, a, as, a, as I turned into an adult that everything that happened to me growing up was all my fault. Oh. And and it's really not. You know, I didn't choose to, like you say, I didn't choose to be born. I didn't choose to be born into that household to, under, under, you know, to those parents. I pause really fast, Nathan. I'm sorry. I got to go pee real quick. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Okay, thank you. So you, you felt like that, you know, uh, impulsively that you're responsible for all those things that you were that were happening to you when you were a kid right yeah yeah um i just felt like so this is where obviously the walk will will come in to this kind of story is that um i always felt like i'd never completed anything so uh, i felt like i'd failed at being a normal child even though that wasn't my i couldn't you know i couldn't control that mm-hmm. and then failed in my when I started doing MMA people were like oh you're going to be a superstar you're going to be you're going to get in the UFC you're going to be this you're going to be that and I had the skill set but I'd already I was already mentally not you know strong enough because of my childhood and everything I, I wasn't aware but I thought I was I was a strong fighter I could do anything mm-hmm. but but my body was but my mind was not and that came out later on so I feel like I failed at being a mixed martial artist. Then I went and joined the Royal Marines um, because I wanted to get away and I just, you know, wanted to run away, um, which has been kind of relevant throughout my childhood. All I did was run, run away, run away, run away. Um, and then I joined the Royal Marines and I got to the very end of the training, the 32 weeks training. I'd done pretty much everything you, could, you needed to do. And then I left. 
I, I just, again, my body was there, my mind was not. How'd you feel uh, about that after, after that happened? Did you have a lot of self-doubt or were you confident in your decision? Yeah, I, I was, it was just, it was my mind. It's, it's it, like, it's always been my mind, my body. I, I was, I was the youngest in, in my whole troop of people who were there and I was one of the best there was but you know I didn't come from I didn't come from a home where you had everything and you know I came from a place where I had nothing so going into the into the into the marines where they where they fed you and they gave you clothes and they and they gave you a routine was actually a step up in life for me rather than a step down you know training in the military is like a step down for most people because they're getting shouted down they get made to do things whereas I I really enjoyed it and it was easy for mm-hmm. me to do but then yeah, again, it, it, this this fight or flight mode just has always been relevant throughout my life where I'd, I'd, I'd make a decision to run, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. And I regretted it. I'd, I regret it now. Um, I wish I never had done, I've done that. When you did it in the moment, was it with a heavy heart, or were you like, no, this is the direction, like you felt passionate or you felt confident that that was the direction you, you needed to take at the time? Yeah, at the time, it's okay. kind of like, at all costs, I need to get away from this place and, and I need to, I need to get out of here. Um, so I feel like I failed at that. Um, I came out and I tried various different careers and different things. And, and, I, and again, I feel like I failed and I failed and I've never completed anything. Um, you know, even like with my jujitsu, I'm like a brown belt. And I know, mm-hmm. I know when you become a black belt, you've not, you've not completed jujitsu. You know, you, you can't complete jujitsu, but when you become a black belt, it's kind of like a, you know, I made a, it made it to a certain point uh, mm-hmm. a point where I'm like I can say yeah I'm a black belt in in, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu it's, you know mm-hmm. it's a massive achievement so I, even in Jiu-Jitsu at the moment I still feel like a failure um, I do too so I understand <laughs> yeah so with this walk um, the story of, of how this walk came about is I, I've always known there's been something wrong mentally with me in terms of feeling down and you know struggling in life um, and I've always just hidden it away and hidden it away and tried to try my best to, you know, block it out and just live a normal life and, and settle for a normal life because I wouldn't dare of dreaming for more, you know? And it's like a dam, you know, with all the water being held behind it. And the more and more water that's behind it, it starts to be cracks and then it starts to leak. Yeah, sure. And in the past couple of years, that's what's I believe started to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it led to me just having lots of lots of down down days, down episodes where I just felt like I didn't want to be here anymore, and I just didn't see any any point in in what you know what my purpose was. Um, you know, they say the two most important days of your life are, are the day you were born and the day you were the day you realize what you were born to do. Mm-hmm. And I was always thinking to myself. I wish I was never born and I don't know what to do in life. I'm just floating through air, this, you know, the earth and, and I've got no direction. I don't know where I'm going. Um, so one day was a normal day. I woke up and, and then I felt down as usual. And and then lots of things happened that day. Nothing in particular. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had lots of problems and bad things in life happen. And, but at this point in my life, I've, I've, I've got a house I've you know, not that I own, but we've got a roof over our head. We've got food. I've got um, family and friends. Um, 
I'm, 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 if you look at my life right now, people would go, you've got a happy, perfect, almost okay, normal perfect. life. Yeah. So it, I remember the night um, all this happened, I just zoned out. And, and then the next thing, I was sitting on a bridge um, above a railway track. And I didn't have my phone, didn't have my keys, and I'm nothing. I just, I'm, you know, I just, I don't even know how I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sitting there on the bridge and I remember reaching into my pocket and there was a, there was a, a 10 pence piece, a coin um, in my pocket. And it was the only thing he had, you know, randomly it was in there. And I, I looked at the coin and I said, I don't know why I said this, but I said, heads, I'm gone. Tails, I stay. Um, And it landed on tails. And then I got down and this like big rush of adrenaline hit me, you know, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever like nearly died, you know, like sometimes you do fun things. I've done it when I've been climbing or when I've been kayaking and I've been like, wow, I I could have just died then. Mm -hmm. And you feel it's like a rush of adrenaline. Well, I got down off a bridge and then I'm in the middle of, you know, a road at night time. And I've got that adrenaline pumping through me. And I'm like, in my mind, I, I nearly just died. But, but So I go home and I sit down on the couch and I'm like, to pretend that, you know, everything's fine, everything's normal. No one, no, I didn't want to tell anyone because I felt so embarrassed and so ashamed by it. And um, so that happened that night. And I went to bed and tried to think, I'm just going to try to forget about it and stuff. Um, and then the next day, I was in bed that night. I was I was thinking of this beach. Yeah, I've seen this beach in my head. I was lying there trying to sleep. I've seen this beach in my head, and I was thinking, I've seen this beach before. I don't know. I don't know where it's from, but I've, I recognise it. You know, it's not made up. Um, so I went to sleep, um, and then it was only like a day or so later that I started really remembering what had happened. Not before I got got there, but after after it, when I'd come home. So um, I remember a few different things, and and all of these things led to me led to this walk idea. So the first thing was um, the night that I came home and sat down on the couch. There was a documentary on TV about a um, a young cheetah cub that had been abandoned by its mum, and um, they took it into captivity and raised it, and then they tried to rewild it. As an adult, it didn't work. So they took it in, back in, into the zoo. And then they said, it's going to stay in captivity now for the rest of his life. So the first reason, the f- so that was the first thing. And I was thinking, we're kind of like that as humans. We, we, we've we gone so far away from our natural path that if we were ever reintroduced into the natural real world, would we die? Are we living in this zoo that, you know, this captivity of... Of, of humans, not animals, where, you know, so far away from what we, we naturally was. So I was thinking of that, and then I was thinking of this beach, um, and then I, it hit me where the beach was, and it was a place in, in, in the UK called Land's End, um, which is the very, very bottom of the UK. You can't go any further, that's it. Once you get to that point, you, you, you know, you, it's the sea. And then... I had these things running around in my mind and then I was sitting there thinking, what can I do to, you know, last night wasn't normal. I need to get some help. How can I, what can I do? And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk today. I'm going to go for a walk and get some fresh air. Um, Cause I know that going for a walk 
you know, it always helps going outside and, and getting outside and having a little walk. That that always clears your mind and, and makes you feel a bit better. Mm-hmm. And as I was out walking, I was thinking of this documentary and I was thinking of this beach. And then I thought to myself, the two, what's the two most, the two most natural things that we can do as humans is walk. And then I thought another natural thing that you can do as a human is just walk on the ground barefoot, you know, just, just walking and being barefoot. The two things that are so simple to do, but could they, could they, could those two, instead of, instead of looking for a, a really advanced answer, could these two simple things change my life? Mm. Could it be, could it be as simple as that? That's what I was thinking. You know, mm. we overcomplicate things. Could it really be that simple? Um, so then I started looking at barefoot walking and I thought, if I'd have gone last night, who would have remembered me? What 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 message would I have left mm. on this earth for anyone who may have been interested? What what would what would my message be? And I realized that it wouldn't have been anything. I wouldn't have had it, you know, I wouldn't have left anything behind, really. Um and then from there it all came, this idea came about me. I thought, well, maybe I could walk the full length of the UK from John O'Groats to Land's End barefoot. And then when I Googled that, there was a world record already. Um, so I thought, well, if I walk a little bit further, I'll set a new world record for that and and I'll be able to raise awareness for for the cause that I'm doing it for and leave a message to people, you know, that um, if people type in my name, they'll see that record. And then from there, they'll, they'll hopefully they'll see the reason why I did the record. You know, it's, it's not about the world record. It's about the reason why I'm doing it. And I feel like the best way to get that out there is to break the world record. Mm-hmm. So then I'll be the only person in the world who's done it. And then people will go, well, I wonder why he did that. Um, but yeah, the reasoning behind it is I want to I want to raise awareness for obviously for mental health, mental health. Um, but in particular, I want to shine a light. It's a bit different, I think, obviously in 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 the UK with the care system. Um, but the way it works here is once you become once you get to the age of eighteen, that's it. That you 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 just it's almost like you cut off. So they so that so that they take you into care. And they put you as foster carers and they the, the government look after you if, if you like until 18 years of age. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's like a pat on the back and off you go into the world. Do they give you uh, like is there like a program where they're like, here you gotta live on your own now? Or are they just like you're released? Can't, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much you can, and and that's not that bad in terms of living. Mm-hmm. But what my main issue is that it it it's bad for mental health in terms of all the trauma mm-hmm. that you suffer as a child. If you've, if you've been taken into care, then you've suffered some form of trauma. That trauma that you've suffered as a child does not get looked at. Mm-hmm. It's just the basic necessity of you to live as a human and survive till you're an adult and then off you go. Mm-hmm. There's an, after that, there's no help. And then, so what I've discovered is that it took another... I knew there was always something wrong. I knew that I knew, and I, I knew there was always something negative in my mind, um, damage, but that didn't come out till I was 25, 26, 27. So if I'd have had help earlier, would I have 
suffered what I've suffered now. And I think, again, it comes back to children. And, and I, I wanted to help solve a problem, which I believe is a problem, is that the aftercare it should be more. Mm-hmm. But then when I was thinking about that problem, it made me think, well, there's no point in solving a problem. Um, there's no point. It's like you're saying with the, you know, the, the, the pads for your, your feet for mm-hmm. the fallen arches. Mm-hmm. That all that does is medicate the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, well, let's not medicate it. Let's not, let, let's try and solve, let's get to the root, the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is, is when you're a child and you get put into, into care, getting mental health help then. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And, and then if, 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 that, if that is achieved, when you turn into an adult, you'll have a way to cope with what you, you've suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe that there's, there, is, there is a few you know, issues with the way the system is, is run. And um, people aren't aware of it, especially in the UK. People don't know. Unless you've been into care, you don't know mm-hmm. what happens. Um, so, yeah, and then, like I say, the, you know, the mental health aspect, which is not just for people who've been in care, but for every one of us, it's just, it's the biggest killer. And I think, um, you know, if you if you can just talk, so it's, it's, it's the hardest thing to do, is just to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no medication, there's no pills, there's no, there's nothing that will help you more than, just talking to someone and not even getting their advice. You know, when I've spoken to people, I don't even, I've not really even wanted their advice initially. I just wanted someone to listen and go, you'll be okay. I'm here if, if you if you need me and you will be okay. And, and that's it. And once you do that and you speak for the first time, it's hard. And, you know, it, it only gets easier after that. It definitely does. Um, there was things I'd, I'd not spoken about for you know that I'd locked so far deep away that I'd never spoken to a soul on this planet about. And now I feel uh, you know when I've spoken to people about these things, I feel I do. It is hard when I'm doing it, but I feel so much better after it. Is is speaking is speaking those those things that were once very challenging for you, and now it's still challenging, but you're able to talk about them more. Um, was that as like challenging as doing your first like, you know, martial arts class, or was that as challenging as like, you know, going to your first barefoot walk? Like, did that like not the specifics, but the general like, from one being easy and ten being the hardest thing you've ever done, right? Is going and talking about what you've been through and how you feel and what you think was that just as hard from one to ten as your first barefoot walk? Um, you know, or your first time getting into martial arts, like your first time jumping into the water, like did it have that level of like difficulty yeah. or was it more? No. So for me, speaking about things is the hardest thing I've ever experienced. Um and it's 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 actually had a positive effect on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I now kind of feel invincible. <laughs> I feel like I feel like the barefoot walking, the the jujitsu, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. Is easy compared to saying a single sentence. 
did it take you to feel that way about those? Like, did you always feel like those things are easy compared to other tasks in your life? Or when you started talking about things, did you realize that, wow, this is even harder than that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's, it's been like a really significant, the moment I started talking about my past mm-hmm. and it, it started to make me feel better. The moment I realized that actually all these other things in my life that are physical and, you know, all these other physical challenges that we take on and, and, and anything else compared to what I'm speaking about now mm-hmm. and, and reflecting on the fact that, you know, how amazing it is that I, I made it where I am, you know, just for me to make it to where I am today it may not look much, but is, it has been harder than anything this world can, can, you know, it's been harder than anything that I could challenge myself with. So the moment I started talking, it was the moment that I, I felt like, you know, they say, um, people like McConnell McGregor or, or, Lewis Hamilton or famous people who, who's, uh, you know, David Goggins is another one. They say that um, they envision themselves winning the UFC belts or, or David Goggins saw himself walking across the stage and becoming a Navy SEAL. I've never been able to do that in my life. I've never seen myself as, as when I started martial arts as, as being in the UFC. I've never saw myself as being a Royal Marine. I never envisioned myself as doing these things. And I think that was because I, I never I, I knew deep down that I wouldn't be there. But I saw myself walk onto that beach and it was more real. It was as real as this right now. And at that mo- moment, I knew that it's not, people go, oh, it's hard and, and it doesn't hurt your feet and isn't cold and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really hard. And at that moment, I knew that it's not. I've already done it in my mind. And my body's always been able to do anything, anything. It's my mind that's always let me down. And now my mind and my body are starting to work as one. Um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to be as hard as what I've already faced. So I'm confident in it. And, um, I also have some people who like, I can tell don't think I'm going to do it. You know, like when you're speaking to like, you know, people and, and, and you tell them what you're doing or they know what you're doing and, and they kind of, there's like a little bit of doubt there. Um, and that's fair enough because the people who have been close to me know that I have always kind of like given up, mm-hmm. you know, like left the Marines and left this and not done that and said I was going to do this and then not done it. So they've got their doubts for through experience of me actually, oh, I'm going to do this and then not doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like a, almost like a happy little secret that I've got, in, you know, like I'm like, I'm lo- I'm looking at them and I'm thinking you think that I'm not going to do this, but you you're gonna you're gonna be surprised because um, you know I've planned to do the walk on May the fourth for fifty days. Mm-hmm. It's going to be thirty mile a day, every day, yeah. um, and I'll do thirteen hundred and fifty miles, wow. and that's the plan. But I've said to myself that from May the fourth, whether it takes me fifty days or it takes me a hundred days or it takes me two years. I'm not coming home until I've walked that distance barefoot. So, um, yeah, there's <laughs> people, people, some people doubt and some people believe in me, but it's all irrelevant whether people believe in me or people doubt me because 
for the first time, I feel like I believe in myself. That's so, so powerful. Yeah, That's and I, it's good. I'm and I'm still like I say, I'm still speaking to a counselor every week, and I'm still mm-hmm. I'm still struggling, still having down days and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not fixed, but I'm definitely um, I'm definitely now on the right path, and that path is my own, my yeah. own path. Do you think your mental health's like a black belt and that there is no that there's no end? There's just like more understanding and more ease as you move along? Or do you think that there is like an end? Yeah, definitely. I think I think that there's we all have our experiences in life. So, you know, we can't change that. We can't change the past. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't think that I'll ever be in a position where I'm like, oh yeah, I don't get down or I don't get upset or don't get angry. Um all of these things I believe are needed in life. Um, Just like it's how, Yeah. It's how we cope with them and how we utilize them. And that's the thing that I've been missing. So I've always coped incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the key is discovering how to medicate yourself yeah. with like the natural world you know um good people uh, you know this is just biasness for me but jujitsu is a big mm-hmm. is a big big part of um my life and the people that you meet in jujitsu are are like family um oh yeah and yeah i suppose that that's a good comparison is that is that mental health is is like jujitsu you'll never you'll never complete it mm-hmm. um you'll just learn how to stop certain things and how to deal with certain things and even in jujitsu there's a point where you can actually defend yourself and like for you with mental health there's a point where you can actually cope with those really dark and hazardous days right yeah 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 exactly yeah so like you know you're coming up against a black belt and he's just gonna he's just you're not gonna be able to defend yourself (laughs) he's gonna have an answer for everything that you do he's got an answer for um and you think that you come up with a, a way of solving that problem um, I have this with my coach all the time, you know, he, he, um, I, I've spent, I can't remember how long it was. I spent maybe, maybe a year, a year and a half trying to work out how to stop one, <laughs> one detail. And day I remember it and he, he doesn't even, he doesn't even know this, but the day I stopped it and I counted it, he switched to something else. And ever since he's been using that same switch, and, I, and now I'm, I'm trying to work out how to get past that. I'm still stuck in side control. You know, if he wanted to hold me in side control the whole round, he could. And it's that like a um, level of sometimes, and it's not a massive thing he's doing. It's just mm-hmm. a small detail. And I think that's the same in life. We look for these massive, massive changes when really we don't need to make a massive change. We just need to adjust small details. Mm-hmm. and then that will allow us to be able to move. Otherwise, we're stuck inside control, mm-hmm. and we can't move. Um, so that's how I'm, I'm, I'm adjusting details every day in my life, and, and I'm trying my best to keep up with the, the changes, because obviously you've got, to create, you've got to create new habits, and it's easy to, to fall back into old habits, isn't it? And, um, you know, we... I think what we do each day largely depends on on other people as well, how they make you feel or what someone says to you that day. 
Maybe what they're uh, doing. Yeah, what they're doing. And um, yeah, so so it's hard because I, I was kind of, a lot of people do go down this route and I was tempted to go down this route of like shutting everyone off. Mm-hmm. Being like, I'm going to go off on my own journey and I'm going to try and um, sort myself out and, and you know, be selfish if you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I, I realized that it's not, that's not the way forward because we need people. And and for for you to to be fair, it would like looking at your whole life, like you're very strong in like being alone. Like it doesn't seem to freak you out that much, but being around people freaks you out. Yeah. And like, and I was thinking about this, this is what I was thinking with exercise too. Like you're a pretty athletic guy. Um, I know some people who will tell me like, all their little niggling pains and all their worries about what's going to like be completely honest and vulnerable about how they feel about this run that we're about to go do. And like, they might bail on me, you know, and you know, I bail on people sometimes too, but like, they'll like, they'll like quit and be honest as to why like they can't do it. All this other stuff. I'll put, push myself through hell, but, and maybe get injured a little bit before I bail on you or I'll lie to you before I bail on you or to bail on you. Right. Um, But like for me to go do the physical thing, I don't know if it's as hard as someone who's like super physically unhealthy and has like an accumulation of years of decisions or maybe even like a thyroid thing, whatever it is, right? Where like, even if you have a thyroid thing, if you get used to running, eventually like running at an easy pace is, you know, gets a little easier and easier for everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, but like for like that person, like expressing themselves and like, you, you know, like if I were to apply the things that I've learned and the specific things that I needed to like, to improve my mental health, not the general things like exercise and community and stuff like that, but like what kind of exercise um, and like what kind of goals. Um, And some of those things is going to come easy to other people. And the things that come easy to me is going to be like their whole life's challenge. Like for me to run, like I ran like 50 miles or whatever. Right. And like, like, you know, that for me, for trail running, that was like one of the hardest things that I've ever done um maybe it was like a seven out of ten right but like to get up in front of people and tell jokes or to teach a class is like infinitely harder because what you were saying like my body or whatever like i've got a good for whatever reason relationship good opportunity luck of the draw with my body my body is very responsive to exercise you know and like it feels very pleasurable to have intense experiences in my body but my mind man my mind's just like the climbing and stuff. I got friends that can climb exposed things with gear and they're like, Hey, I'm confident in my abilities. And I'm just over here, like, you know, trying to keep my mind together. And like, I see my peers sometimes struggle with that, but then I look at another peer and if I'm comparing myself to them, I'm fucked. Cause they're like, yeah, they're like climbing all this shit without a second thought, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Or they go to like a tournament and they're like, I'm going to kick some ass. And like, you know, and I just don't, that that's like that that's really hard for me man like really hard yeah um but like doing th- like i listen to you and I, I relate with you so much not being in foster care but like your your like predicament how you feel about yourself and like having to learn to like believe in yourself and follow through on something and that like i'm a blue belt and i've been training for five years in jujitsu and i like i'm stopping so that and I train with friends and stuff, but I'm stopping going to a gym so I can focus on my professional stuff so I can go and move and have a house. But then like, yeah. when you see all your other friends are like purple and brown belt, like, I don't know if I'm a loser or not. And it's like, 
how do you know if you're a loser? Because some people really do have goals. And for whatever reason, you know, they like I've read stuff about them and they die and they never like did anything with the jujitsu or they never like sold their art. They just like lived lived this life that they were really complacent about. So when I get to blue belt and I'm like, well, I'm a dad. And like, right now I want to focus on my parenting things. I just need to get my finances in order. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm making excuses. And just to be a loser because no one in my life is, you know, I'm a blue belt and people quit at blue belt and like all these things, but I can't, I can't give you the black and white answer and say, I can't tell everyone, well, if you, if you, if you stop at blue belt, you're probably going to come back to it later. And it's good that you're, you know, uh, assessing your priorities. And I also can't tell someone else that like, um, you shouldn't commit to jujitsu a hundred percent and see it through black belt and build your whole life around it. Like it's the most important thing to you. Like, For some people, that's exactly what they need. And for others, it's like you, like you needed more than that. Jiu-Jitsu really, really helped you, it sounds like, in your development. But like, it just wasn't enough for you to break through this, like, this, this other psychological barriers that you had. Yeah. And and I think it's all about balance. That's the, that's the key to like, we always, um, prioritize different things and then and then you feel guilty about the things that you're not prioritizing that you maybe used to do but you know i'm for example for me i'm at the stage now as a brown belt where and i i know i'm confident in my abilities on the mat um i've rolled of you know i've I've been to new york and i've rolled at henzo's with the, the dan hall team there and some of those blue belts were like black belts <laughs> you, know, they, oh, wow. you know they were unreal It'd be a cool um, experience yeah um i've rolled of black belts and beaten them i've rolled of black belts who've absolutely toyed with me mm-hmm. um if i really focus on my jiu-jitsu you know my coach has said this and i think other people would be of the same opinion if i really focus on my jiu-jitsu between now and you know 12 months to 18 months I think I wouldn't be far from getting my black belt, mm-hmm. but I'm sacrificing that. Um, at the moment, I, I'm, I'm doing jiu-jitsu, but I'm not doing jiu-jitsu. I'm being mm-hmm. very, very safe not to hurt my legs, mm-hmm. which means I'm not really doing much training. When it gets into the new year, I'm probably going to have to stop doing jiu-jitsu altogether because someone you know, does a leg drag or something just wrong. And as you know, you get a lot of injuries in jiu-jitsu. Sometimes they're caused by yourself. Sometimes they're accidents caused by other people. Sometimes someone will roll into you, you know, whilst you're grappling over there and someone lands on you and it's it's a complete accident. But I can't risk any of that happening because if I hurt my feet or my knees, um, you know, it's going to really compromise the walk. So I know that in a time where I could be progressing my jiu-jitsu to get that black belt, I'm having to go, no, I need to prioritize this because there's no point in me having a black belt. No, I'll rephrase that. I won't be around to have a black belt if I don't mm-hmm. sort my mental health out and I don't sort out my life. Yeah. So that when I am a black belt, I'm as strong in my mind as I am in my skills in jiu-jitsu. Um, I kind of don't even want to get my black belt until I'm, my mind is there because I feel like I'd be a kind of a fraud in a sense of... I'd have the skill set and I'd have the knowledge, but 
I think being a black belt in jiu-jitsu, you need to be more. You need to have the mental strength and you need to have the, you need to be a role model and you need to be a leader, a leader, an example. And I can't really say to people, be like me. Mm-hmm. If I'm someone who wakes up and doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, so yeah, I feel like everything's meant to be for a reason. And this gap in my jujitsu will only make me a better martial artist when I, when I eventually return back to it after my walk and um, I can concentrate on it fully then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll give me all the required tools I'll need then to be that example and and know in my own head that I deserve it. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not just about performance on the mat or competition. Um, you know, it's not, I know that there's people who are, who are talented in, in skills that, you know, like, um, you know, there's some superstars out there at the moment in jiu-jitsu who are like 16-year-old blue purple belts. And then the next thing, they just go blue, purple, brown, black. And they're, 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 they're in the top 10 in the world in jiu-jitsu. Um, that's skill set. But knowledge and leadership and, and, and ability to teach, I've met some fantastic people who are, who are really good competitors, but they are awful at teaching. Mm-hmm. I've met some unbelievable teachers who are really poor at grappling, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but their understanding of it is, you know, is greater than their ability to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I've met some people who are unbelievable grapplers, but they're also unbelievable coaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've got the best of both worlds. Um, you know, I, I was very much the same. I, I was always very good at competing. My skill set was very good. I could go on the mat and, and roll with anyone and do well. But if someone said to me, oh, how did you do that? I'd say, well, I can't just do this. Mm-hmm. I, I never was able to vocalize what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, now I've started coaching and started doing private lessons. That's actually making me a lot better because I'm having to explain in detail what it is I'm doing. How does that change about how you feel about your your confidence in jujitsu? Has it been the same, or is your ability to like describe and like the what you've done? Did that change your confidence or how you felt about yourself in jujitsu? Yeah, it's it's actually I actually do feel more confident. Um, I've I've actually started to since I started coaching and teaching, I've came up with my own like I had my own way of doing things, but now I'm starting to think, okay, well can I create my own systems of doing things? And, you know, I'm starting to look at like, well, as a young grappler, you, you kind of think sometimes when you do something, I've never seen that before. Have I just invented something? And then you do the old go online and check. Oh yeah, it's been invented. Someone's done it somewhere. Um, and you lose that aspiration of, of inventing a position or a move or a submission. Cause you think, Oh, it's, you know, nothing's new under the sun someone somewhere's done it but now as as i'm starting to teach i'm starting to go okay actually maybe i can maybe this is unique maybe no one has thought of this and you become more of like an inventor um so yeah i feel confident that um it's helping me do you you feel like when you're like becoming you're in that inventor mindset and you had reached self like the self-discovery do you believe that like that if if you didn't have access to the internet and you had this like self discovery, do you feel like it would trigger like a state of mind or an attitude that would alter your learning process? 
as opposed to someone who had a sense of discovery. And then they looked and they're like, oh, it's already been done. Um, okay, I'll just follow what's already been laid out for me. Yeah, I think you would reach a stage where, so I say this a lot to people, um, that when you learn like fundamentals and you learn a basic submission or, or position, mm-hmm. that when you become much more advanced, you will adapt that specifically to the last detail for your own body. So even though you'll be able to teach it to people and you'll be able to say, this is what I do, it'll never be as perfect for them as it is for you. That is what I was saying earlier. Like you have this, this initial thing where it's like, you know, you're going to be like mommy, you're going to be like daddy, or you're going to be like, you know, uh, Elon Musk or something like that. I, that's why I was, I, I believe that like there's an inherent quality that we, if we didn't desire to do that, we would never look to anyone else for knowledge. But once you look at a specific place for knowledge long enough, you realize that the knowledge does not specifically apply to you. So therefore you must circle all the way back and re and, and express yourself in the moment based off of what you see using the frameworks that you had before, but discarding all those frameworks and just looking at what's in front of you. Like if yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. Cause that, that's like, yeah. What I tried to do too is I would go to my uh, my instructor and I'd be like, "Well, give me a rule for this situation," and you know he'd be like, "Well, you have a different body type, you have different interests. Like if I want to go to rubber guard, I might not go um, to like a go like I might go to a go go plata, right? But yeah. if I like to do um, rubber guard, I can go and like initiate. I can do different things. There becomes like yeah. an arbitrary yeah. set of choices." Um, and sometimes my opponent's reaction will dictate it. But at the end of the day, there really is like an arbitrary A, B, and C. And once you go to A, then you realize that like, then there's only a few choices after that. But like, there becomes like personal decision making there. You know, yeah, like, yeah, it like, personal for, preference. yeah, like I have friends who like, you know, love to do like leg locks and things like that. And like, you know, I, I, I have a leg lock game, but like, I got a rubber guard game. You know, and that's yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, for some reason, I look at the chaos of a match and all of a sudden I see, see rubber guard opportunities everywhere. And the more that I point myself towards rubber guard opportunities, the more unique openings that I find that are only specific to my partner's behavior and the choices that I'm making, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and if I explain someone like, you know, why I do this or that, it'll probably sound like nonsense to them unless they were people who are doing a rubber, like have done rubber guard in the past, or they really like to do rubber guard, whatever. Cause when I even teach, you have to like parse it down to the general audience. Like you, right. Yeah. 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 So you, you get, you get different, exactly. It's different. Um, it's preference. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how, how you, you want to apply your, your, um, your artwork to the canvas. It's we both got brushes. We both got a canvas. Mm-hmm. we've got all the paint you know we've both been taught that you dip your brush in the paint and then you put it on the canvas but once we actually start painting it's not going to be the same mm-hmm. it's going to be different completely um and it's subjective because we'll both be we we'll both have paintings at the end mm-hmm. after we've finished and no one can say that that one's better than the other no one can say you know oh they can have their opinions but it's subjective um you know, if I was going for rubber guard, I would be more likely because this is my preference. I'd more likely to try 
and go towards Oma Plata to get them to roll. And once they roll, I'd back step and go to sort of like mounted triangle or ma- a top position, yeah. basically. Um, because I'd, I'd feel like, okay, I'm going to attempt to submit, but I want to take a top position. So if I come out on the other side and I wasn't successful with my submission attempt, at least I end up in a dominant position mm-hmm. rather than maybe going to um, a Goga Plata, um, rubber guard, sorry, and then maybe going on a platter and they roll mm-hmm. and then I'm on bottom still. Yeah. You know, so I would use all that just as a way to get to top. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I say, our, we both started in rubber guard. So it's just different for every person and and split decision, split second decision making, isn't it? It's, it's It becomes second nature, almost like it's not even a decision that you're making. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that's what's beautiful about it is that it's all, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, it's, it's eternal. Like it goes on forever and ever and ever. But the, but the, the end of the, the end of the round the end of the match, the, the, the idea of like, not six, not meta success, like success as a whole, but success, like in the, in the game itself is clear. It's not like, yeah. it's not like the judges think you're like the cool guy or like, the judges today just decided that that, you know what I mean? Like there's like, you get this in MMA sometimes when it comes to like the judging for points. Right. Like I know yeah. that there's, it's a little more clear in MMA than it is in like, let's say like who's judging, who has the best painting. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But like, even there, there's still like some, sometimes people win and it's like, they did not score that very well. Like it was so subjective. Yeah, yeah. And what yeah. it, what it is, is like the, the art or the experiences, like even you walking, I mean, it's like, can be pretty subjective, but there are very fixed things that regardless if you like it or not, it's fucking cold out today. Or like, if you, yeah. if you like it or not, this person's driving a lot of top pressure down on you and it's creating pain. And like, you're got to find a way to create space. Like however you create space, find a way to do that, you know? Yeah. And it, it is, it is difficult to, to talk. I am um, to, to put a like if I if I took you down and passed your guard and you know went to side and draw went to mount and then from there I tried to submit you and for the rest of the round you 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 defended and I couldn't I couldn't submit you I couldn't submit you in my mind I'd say well I dominated you positionally mm-hmm. um and I I was attacking to try and finish but just as good on the other hand is that you defended every single one of my submission yeah. attempts. Um, and I know personally, because I'm very, very, my, the way my jiu-jitsu is, I'm very, very flexible. Mm-hmm. When people mount me, I don't see that as a bad position. That, that I see that as a chance to, to enter leg locks. So I like people mounting me. Mm-hmm. So then if that's where the subjectivity comes in, because you're thinking, oh, I've just passed your guard and mounted you. And in my head, I'm thinking, no, I let you mount me because I want to try to do this and I try to do that. So it's it's so difficult. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be judging <laughs> yeah i wouldn't either but the relationship i just have to key on that was like that that i think maybe i'm like i dramatized it but i really think that's probably one of the most beautiful examples of the human experience you know encapsulated within jujitsu probably other places too but like that thing where it's like this is what i like to do this is what i'm strong at and it's like oh but you wait this i got a really good answer to that and look yeah. now i'm dominating and it's like oh this thing that I like, you know, the skill set that I've been practicing this one move and like, I've invested so much of the meanness into it and you just completely squashed that. But 
then like, obviously it, you haven't figured that out through jujitsu specifically. And I kind of haven't either, but you, then it's like, well, that's why your self-worth isn't tied up in your ability to mount someone. <laughs> it's like yeah. your self-worth comes from like, you learn confidence from these activities, but you just remind yourself that it's you. Like, it's not because you've done jujitsu and you're this, this, this specimen of a person who's decided to do jujitsu and no one very few people can decide to do jujitsu. It's like, no, you just, you do it and you know how to, you know, uh, leg lock somebody when they mount you because you've practiced it a lot. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you practice more and yeah. you, you know that you're a person. And if you want something, you've shown yourself, you can be consistent enough to learn how to at least put someone in a leg lock from mount. So like, you know, that even though that you're not judging yourself on your skills, the, the what you have put into it the person that has showed up to acquire those skills is is worthy you know not because yeah. you're good at anything it just you always have been that nathan you know like i've always been that but yeah you just and like look you at, say it's, mm-hmm. it's a proven thing as well because then you know i may attempt that specific thing over and over again and have success with it and have success with it and then i have success with it against high level people and then I have, I don't have success with it, but I know that actually, yeah, that's something I can put in my toolbox or I could try to do, I could try and go for a leg lock when you're in mount on me. And every single time I do it, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And no matter how many times I try to tweak it, try to do something to change it, it does not work. That's fine. Cause mm-hmm. you can just go, okay, that clearly doesn't work. I clearly shouldn't be put in my toolbox. That clearly is, is not a, a correct technique. Um, it fundamentally does not work, so I'll leave it. So, like you said before about it being a, some things are like are facts and some things are not in jujitsu. It's true. An armbar is a fact. If your arm's straight <laughs> and I've got everything right, that's going to break your arm. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. No one can say, "Oh, well, armbars don't really work." They've been proven over hundreds of years. They work and they break your boat. They break your arm. Mm-hmm. Whereas some people could go. Oh, well, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a submission. Now that's a bit, a bit mad. Um, like a buggy choke, you know, everyone's been mm-hmm. going about these buggy chokes recently, which it, it, obviously it works. It's a submission that works, but at the same time, it's something that if you turn your face to an inch to the left, it doesn't work. Yeah, we've been practicing that, trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you, put, you know, you turn your face towards the hips or, or, or even you put a frame on the hip, then that's it, game over. So... You're in bottom side control and you're trying to go for a choke. Is it not better to go to regard? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's things like that where the facts, you know, I've tried that boogie choke 50 times. I've got it once. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've tried an armbar 50 times and I got it 38 times. Yeah. So there's a clear difference there on, on what is, what is successful and what's not. And like a measurable, like clear difference. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's... massively. And you could still say like, well, I just need to improve the choke of the buggy, you know, the buggy choke technique. And you can still do that and you'll still get measurable results because you're not seeking approval. Like you're seeking yeah, like yeah. a pass or fail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I've had it with, I, I do this like bicep crush um, where I let, I like, weave my leg in the arm and in an open garden and they pass and I, I let them pass to, to fall into it and I get this uh, bicep crush and bottom side control and I, I've caught loads of people with it and then I remember my coach saying but have you ever got any good people with it and I was like 
well, I've got some purple belts, some brown belts. You know, have you ever got any black belts with it? And I was like, no. And then a guy came down, and he, um, one of the best black belts in our country, he come down to train or uh, do a seminar at our gym, and he bought he brought his brown belt with him. And I was rolling with this, his brown belt, and I was like, oh, here it, here it comes. Here it comes, this move, that's not great. I'm going to watch me get this on this guy. And I got into the position, and I had it locked up as tight as I've ever, I've ever locked anything up. And I'm like, I'm going to get him in front of his coach. Mm-hmm. And he just looked me in the eyes and like almost shook his head to say, you're never, ever going to get that on me. <laughs> and then I thought, I've got to let go. And then I was in bottom side control. Mm-hmm. And then his coach... Who's, who's one of the, like I say, you're on the top black belts in the country. He said to me, do you ever get anyone with that? And I was like, well, same coach, same question. My coach had asked me like, <laughs> a couple of days. And I was like, kind of, yeah, I get, you know, and, it, and they both were suggesting that, although it's a technique that obviously works on, on people, if it mm-hmm. doesn't work on a, on a, on a black belt or it doesn't work on an elite level person, then, should you be doing it? Mm. And, and I kind of got, I kind of got that, which is, I think what we should all be doing is that when we, when we compete, we should compete in a way, which, or when we spar or when we drill, is that if it wouldn't work on Gordon Ryan, mm-hmm. you know, you know, sometimes we do things and we get away with doing them, but just oh. because we can. Yeah. Well, I mean, even outside of jujitsu, right? Like you'll tell like little, um, you'll lie to people, right? Or you'll you'll hide things so that you can work around it, but you're really avoiding taking responsibility for confronting that person or setting that boundary, right? But eventually yeah. you're going to have to do it, right? And that's that big moment. That's kind of like what you're saying, right? It's like you have all these small moments to prepare for it if you act like you have to take responsibility for it or if you act like you're going to have to apply this to Gordon Ryan. And so if you have found that it's not going to, that you're not able to get it to these higher level people, but you can get it to people who are not as knowledgeable, for instance, being better at that, what's that going to do? Make you take advantage of people who aren't as knowledgeable? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good, there's a, there's a lot of transferable lessons from jujitsu that you can apply to your life. Mm-hmm. And it's it, exactly that, you know, if, if I, not that I would even get close, but if I, if I got a Kimura on Gordon Ryan mm-hmm. and I got the mechanics set up perfectly and I got, everything locked down perfectly then I should get the Kimura there and finish it and that's that that, that would be right but mm-hmm. I'm never going to get him with some crazy bicep crush mm-hmm. so therefore I shouldn't be doing that at all on anyone because if it's not going to work properly then it's not going to work at all um yeah, so in life, I think I think we should do that as well. If 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 being a certain way or acting a certain way around people or doing certain things isn't going to be effective for everyone, mm-hmm. then I don't think you should be you should do it. I think, um, yeah, you should just try to. Don't know. But, well, <laughs> hard, but, hard, hard to put it into words, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I would actually say another thing on top of that is that if you feel so compelled, though, to prove like Nathan and I wrong, feel free to commit yourself to practicing that technique and working it. And then once you're like, hey, I have a track record of tapping black belts with this, then you get the opportunity to compete or disclose your past and your information and who you've competed against, right? And you, yeah. you're then like, wow, okay, you did make that work. Or, 
oh, you spent all that time and you didn't. Thanks for using your precious time in this world, like like we do with all things, like you're doing with your barefoot walk, to experiment and reach a conclusion that we can all share in. Like I, I appreciate that. Because yeah, yeah, exactly, that's yeah. What people do sometimes with like religion, right? If they're like, if you don't believe my religion, like you're gonna go to hell. And there's this guy that I really like called like Ramdas, you know. And I'm not really religious, but. I like reading about all the different kinds of stuff just to see the perspectives. And the thing that I love that he'd always say is, Hey, if this doesn't, if what I'm saying doesn't sound right, then like, it's not for you. Like, I don't want you to commit to any of this stuff, you know, go and find the thing that, that you believe in, go and find the things that the words are like the information that clicks with you, you know, and these things in jujitsu, it's wonderful because like, if you were to say, you know, Hey, Will, um, do I look hot today? (laughs) I don't know. Um, I would just like, it's really, really difficult for me to be honest all the time. My son will be like, dad, dad, look at the picture I drew. And it's like, what do I, like, what do I tell him? Like, I don't tell him like, wow, it's the best picture you've ever drawn. Like I've ever seen in your whole life. I do like, wow, I like the amount of focus you put into that. Or I can tell that, you know, you, um, I like the details you showed there, like just noticing those things as opposed to being like, you're good or you're not good, right? Yeah. Um, but if if we were not in jujitsu and we were talking about, I don't know, something that was way, that was subjective to where there is no like pass fail scenario in this subjective experience, I would feel really bad because then I would be encouraging someone to like, you know, live off in a delusion or something like that because there's no way for them to like commit their ideas to reality. But within jujitsu, within running, within like climbing, um, you can commit things to reality a little more in that subjective experience. You know? Yeah, definitely can. And and as we know, it's it's um, the results will show mm-hmm. in 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 competition and your ability to perform certain things. You know, no one sees the 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 amount of hours you put in on the mat, and then you go and do a jujitsu competition, and you do maybe three or four matches and that's all I get to see. Mm-hmm. You don't see the hundreds of hours you've done in the gym. Um, same with this walk. People aren't going to see all of the times I stand on stones or I stand on a bit of glass and I, or stub my toe or, you know, the rain, the wind, the wet, they're not going to see all those things, but they will see me do the actual walk. Um, so like I say, it comes back to that competing with yourself. Um, because that's all we can, that's our harshest critic. I think our harshest critics always are ourselves. Um, and I think if you can, if you can beat yourself, not even beat yourself, I think that's quite a negative thing. If you can, if you can find balance with yourself, then you will achieve whatever it is that you, 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 you set your mind to. Mm. Um, like I say, it's it it's, it really is all. I, it really is all the mind. I think um, our bodies are just machines that we can that you know that we program with our minds. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you program something incorrectly, it's not going to perform well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have to be physical. You know, the, the walk for me is going to be a physical challenge. It's going to be a mental one too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want people to think. We often see these um, inspirational people, and they're all people who. Have achieved these like big physical things, um, but you know, like I've said, walking into a jiu-jitsu competition might be a massive achievement for you. Mm-hmm. 
um, it was for me, just just being there. Um, for some people, that might be, you know, reading a book. Maybe they've never read a book in their whole life. Um, it doesn't have to be a physical thing to to be an achievement. And I think that that again is is about society, isn't it? It's about how can I show everyone that I've achieved something? Oh, well, I can run a marathon, and then when I cross the finish line, I get a photo, and people will see that I've run a marathon. But how do I show someone that today I learned how to do some sign language? Yeah, for the, um, the sign language and stuff's a lot more difficult, right? Because there's no way to like, like to, to tangibly show your achievements and even like to pass your achievements around or a photo or anything like that, right? But sign yeah, language yeah, or what... any languages is, is I don't yeah. want to say that's more difficult than jujitsu in some ways because it's not like. <sighs> yeah, <sighs> I was just trying to give an example of like a physical goal. A physical achievement is very easy to for people to see mm-hmm. you do it, whereas like there are lots of mental achievements that aren't easy to see, but are, but they are just as important as the physical ones. Well, that's like with your whole, your situation that we talk about, like if you were to, if you weren't to be here anymore, man, like uh, I'd be really sad. Like not just cause you're, you know, another like a, a person and it's, it's sad to lose people and not cause we've even had this conversation, but because of all the things that you've been through, like, I worked with like, I work with kiddos who were like um, violent, right? Not drawing a connection to like violence with you, but they, um, I worked with kids in like a, a school where if you went to public school and you were too violent um, there and you would not, you would go to this school. And, yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And there was, we yeah. had all, alternative schools too, but this was like kind of beyond that. And a lot of the, some of these kids, like the kid that I worked with, he was in foster care. Um, and he was there with a bunch of, with only boys and they're older boys. And his, he was in witness protection program from his mom. And like, you know, his mom did terrible things to him and his dad tried to kill him, things like that. But like, um, he's in foster care and there's all these like, you know, teenage high school boys that he lives with and they like beat him up and stuff, but he comes to school and he tries to throw rocks and like stab you with pencils and things like that. And he's like yeah. incredibly violent. And what they continually did was they put him in his own room by himself because he was violent and he would try to like attack the teacher. And then they took everything out of the room because he was violent in the room that he was in by himself. And then he could only get like his stuff upon request. So you only can have a piece of paper when you request it and you get it from the other room. Everything has yeah. to be locked down. And like, as he continued to like spiral downward and become more and more violent, they like the vice grip uh, would just continue to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze. And I was like, as a person who's been doing jujitsu for a while. And when I did jujitsu, I was like, wow, this feels like really good. For some reason I was never aggressive, but I was maybe mean to myself, but yeah. Uh, that like self frustration um, and all that drama in me kind of uh, was polished away when I would do jujitsu. Like I just felt ah, like satisfied, like yeah. my body was at ease, you know? And I looked at this kid and I'm like, this kid just wants to fight every day. And these people are like, stop fighting bad. And you know, uh, the only outlet he has is to like, like hurt people who are just trying to help him. And we couldn't engage with him or do any like play fighting or anything like that in school. But you know, one thing led to another and the guy, I, uh, I was teaching him kickboxing and, um, people were like, that's crazy. You're going to make him into a killer. And it's like, well, it's not like, just, just look at this a little bit. Like he has 
aggressive tendencies, but he doesn't know how to control them or he doesn't have an outlet for him. He has no way to regulate it at all. Yeah. And, and I'm like, there's this, these people that I work with, most of them are like, I don't want to be rude and generalized. But most of them go to work and they don't have a recreation. They don't have like this thing yeah. outside of it that they're gunning for. And I, I say that cause like a lot of the time we would talk and they just be like stressed to the tits. Like, and yeah, yeah. you know, I'm going to go home and I just need to get drunk this weekend or oh, like, they're just like, just such a it's hard life and it's a hard job, but yeah. I just didn't see them like overflowing with resources in that way as a person. And when things would get children would get escalated, they'd be yelling too. And like running around like a chicken with their head cut off, you know? So, yeah. but within I'd start bringing in some jujitsu people and like, it was like calm as day for them. It was like, when you probably what you're like now, when you go up and teach, you know, it was like the difference of people who didn't do jujitsu and handle these aggressive children. It was like someone teaching for the first time in their life or someone like, you know, doing any running for the first time in their life. And then I like yeah. see these people in jujitsu and just day in and day out, like recreational conflict, if you will. And they enter these situations with an escalated student. I'm sure. They're like nervous sometimes and stuff like that, but like they're cool, calm and collected. They got like, they're in their stance. They're watching fists. Like, all these things you know yeah and i think it's um it's it's because i was very similar so that to that to that guy there that kid you're talking about in terms mm -hmm. of our, as humans we're, we're all about survival right so we we, we just want to survive and when I mean, you put in a bad situation like that kid um his body and his mind has went okay we need to be this way mm -hmm. to survive which is for him for, it's different for everyone for him it was aggression for me it was similar i was i was very i was bullied a lot and i was very submissive but then i was also um there was this rage inside me mm -hmm. where i just explode um not uh, to people but on things you know i'd throw things and i'd punch things and i'd because obviously i was still scared of these people um so my whole survival instinct is, or, or this kid's whole survival instinct is, okay, if I be aggressive, I survive. And then you put him with someone who does jujitsu and his survival instinct kicks in and he goes, okay, I'd be aggressive, I'll survive. And then he doesn't survive because the guy who knows jujitsu just controls him, submits him, start again. I'd be aggressive, I survive, he doesn't survive. And this cycle starts to break and he goes, it's not, it's not even him that does this. It's his, I think it's his, it's his primal instinct goes, hold on. Mm -hmm. I'd be aggressive. I, I don't survive. I'd be aggressive. I don't survive. And then this cycle breaks of, well, this is how I, I always was and it always worked and now it's not working mm -hmm. against the jujitsu guy. And then, and then, you start to hold on, okay, if I don't be aggressive and I actually learn and be calm and be in control, I survive and it flips. And then that's, I think that's why Jiu-Jitsu is great or any martial arts great because it's, it, it, it shows you a path that does work instead of one that doesn't. And you quickly find that out because like you say, the moment you start to engage in a fight or a role with, with one of these guys, you're going to lose every time until you learn that that's not the way. Mm. But people are scared of it. And like you say, they see, they see someone who's aggressive and then they see martial arts, but they don't see it as martial arts. They see it as fighting. And they go, oh, you're going to train this aggressive person to be able to do damage. 
in, 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 in an even worse way. I think the benefits outweigh the, the negatives there because that aggressive person could easily pick up a, a knife or a gun or a bat or, you know, even if they don't know how to fight, they can still seriously hurt someone. What they're getting from learning how to fight is not the fighting part. It's the morals and principles that you need to learn to be able to do it successfully. Mm -hmm. And once you learn that, like me, I then stopped wanting to hurt people. I stopped. There was no desire for me to ever engage in a, in a fight that wasn't like a competitive, you know, a, a competition where I was testing myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's been plenty of opportunities where I could have gone into fights and I never have. So, you know, it, 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 I think it should be, I think in, in uh, over your side, it's actually, you know, because you have a lot of wrestling that you're in school, uh, college and, and stuff like that. We don't have anything like that in, in our schools. We only have like, we're like a football, you know, like a football nation. Mm -hmm. So we, our, our sports like football, um, even rugby, we play rugby, but, you know, it's kind of for the bigger kids. Uh -huh. Yeah. If you're a little kid, if you're a little kid, you just you don't play rugby. It's like the bigger guys. And th that violence is like it's ironic too because I'm not gonna general, but like little people like have a lot of potential for violence in that way. Like yeah, despite yeah. their Definitely. size, and they might and I could see that clearly then, like not even having maybe even the opportunities to recreationally like engage in that skill set. Yeah, yeah. So you know. I think like we definitely should have something in the UK where it's like a a combat sport or, or a physical like wrestling, jujitsu, something like that is like a part of like the physical education. Um that I think that's the, the, the two big things that are missing is is that um and also like life skills. Um, you know, like like I was saying earlier about being taught about things like ego, being taught about things like um I think if, if, if you're not getting looked after at home, then the, the your schooling, your education has a responsibility to, to also look after you in, in, a certain, in certain areas, you know, like to do with finances and to do with um, all sorts of different life skills rather than just learning English and maths and science. And do, we do don't you, have anything like that. Do you guys, do you guys have a pretty like solid recreation system there of like runners and like jujitsu and um, like like climbing and uh, tennis, things like that. So in, in like the public schools, not, not really. Mm -hmm. It's just like, you have like your, your core, you know, your core, um, like English, math, science, geography, that type of stuff, but, history. But as an adult but then if, though. Like, oh, as an adult. Yeah, we, we do. do you, in, I you, think it's a case of finding it, isn't it? You know, there's, yeah. you've got to go looking for these things. Um, but yeah, we've got pretty much most sports that you can go. You said that there's like you guys have kids classes or having kids classes is more the common now as opposed to like, you know, some kids training with adults. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like there's um, I'd wonder what that's like for like tennis and, and all those other things, too. Um, here's a, a model that I found interesting because there's like all these people in our communities that are amazing role models. You talked about kayaking, open water swimming. Um, like walking, for instance, um, and barefoot walking and jujitsu, like those people aren't teachers. Like they're not like, like public institution teachers. Right. And yeah. generally when you like, maybe this is being unfair, but when you, when you teach in a school, 
like a public school and someone is teaching general education, they like the, you just think of like the, the kind of how they, the meaning they put into what they're teaching and how involved they are in the material that they're delivering and the concepts that they talk about. And then think about like your jujitsu um, instructors and like uh, people, you know, who open water swim, who's really good at that. Maybe a kayaking instructor or like guides even in your yeah, area, yeah. if you have one and like, think about yeah. like the level of passion and commitment that they have. And even like, I went on a whitewater rafting trip. Um, there's no one ever like guides jujitsu, but I guess you do seminars in jujitsu anyways, whitewater rafting trip. They're like, so like, you know, what do you, what do you want out of this? Do you want like us to just take you down the river? Do you want to like learn more about how to whitewater raft on your own? Like, what do you, do you want to learn how to be a guide? Like all these kinds of things, you know, they just like, what do you want? We'll give it to you. We'll do all the work for you. You know, most of the work or some of the work. And like, I realized that kind of like in jujitsu, it's like, here's the mat, like, here's the rules, here's the technique and apply yourself in that framework. Like, yeah, you know, set your own goals and all these things. And it's like, you're being guided through these things as opposed to like, you know, you have these tests and you have these metrics that you have to hit and all these other things. But these people who do jujitsu, like I realize these people who are teaching children's martial arts are like trying to do more tournaments or like learning about new rule sets, watching, you know, um, like uh, combat jujitsu worlds or whatever on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. a teacher, you know, a public institution teacher is not like going to like the debate, like watching the debate thing. Like sometimes they are, but they're not like yeah. that involved. But to see a human being who's like you so and just so in love with these things and even wrestling with some other like darker things and like meaning and stuff like that i could just imagine what kind of role model you're like to a child and like like i can't i don't know if i could replicate that in the public institution when i worked in the public institutions i didn't see that i saw a different not kind of teacher but like a different style of education and it lent itself yeah. to different kinds of interactions but when i went and did recreation i'd like see some guy who maybe is struggling with alcoholism and is like trying to show up and smells like fucking beer. And he's like, I want to do MMA. And the coach is like, yeah, yeah you can't do that. You got to get your stuff together. Like there's this like element yeah, yeah. to it that you don't get. So what I thought was like, you have like all of these instructors and stuff. And like, I want to do jujitsu. I want to do rock climbing. And to be able to pay for that profession is like kind of skimpy, at least in, in my area. Um, but like, what if there was a government program that they'd put more money into like a public institution to fund life skills? But what if like they had like a program that you had to apply for so that you can become part of like uh, a, you can become a, a group in, the, in yeah. the government where it's like just like one website or in one number and a counselor or an advisor, uh, you know, leads your county or I don't know how you guys your cities like recreational instructors and if you're like in foster care or if you have low income i don't know how you guys handle your income stuff there um or it's just if you have free education it's just free for people and the government pays for it with taxpayer money and if people sign up like to jujitsu or do rock climbing or paragliding if they're 16 you know um that instructor gets allocated more money from the government and so now you have like people who are like trying to market children to hey come to my, you know, my jujitsu gym or, Hey, come to my rock climbing gym. It's Cause they want government money so that they can, you know, be more prosperous and things like that. And they're incentivized to go out into the community and bring children into their doors so that they can yeah. make like, you know, more, more government money. But it also makes these people like when you're like, 
you know what? Like, I want to be like, you're a medical engineer and like, that's a great thing. Some people love that, but maybe you're like, man, it's just not cutting out for me, but this jujitsu thing, I just don't know if I could raise a family on it, but it might bring you closer to doing that because there's more resources dedicated to that. And the person who decides to do that, you're doing it because you love it. Like, it's just weird in yeah. jujitsu, like in rock climbing and trail running. And I see these people who, when they teach kids, they're usually doing it because they just want to do more of that activity. They're not like, I need a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, with, with, I had, like I say, I had a salary job um, and it was a brilliant, it was a great job. It was, um, I was lucky to get it. Um, and I, literally worked out how much I needed to make to pay my bills but to enjoy my life um so I took like I think I was on like 30,000 a year and I took like a if you look at it like this way I took like a 23,000 a 20 like a 20,000 pound pay cut because I was just like I'm leaving the job to do something that makes me happy and I don't care about the money I just care about enough and making just enough to pay my electric and pay my gas and, and buy food. But why do I need to work an extra 40 hours a week to pay for more bills that I don't even need mm-hmm. to not be able to do something I'm, I'm happy at? Um, so I sacrificed, in a sense, money for valuable time doing something I love. Um, but one of, the, one of the things, one of the ideas that I thought into the future that I'd, I would like to do is... Um, it obviously ties in with everything that we've been talking about is that um, when I was, when I was younger, I used to run away from my foster homes and um, they used to always catch me. The police always find me and bring me back. And then I'd go to a new foster home and it'd be a similar thing. And then I worked out that um, the further away I go, the less likely they are to find me. So I used to, I used to go to Wales, which is like a, I don't know if you know Wales or mm-hmm. um but I, I lived in England, so it was quite far away. Uh, North Wales is is quite close to where I live, but you know, as a kid, it's it's really far. And I used to run away up there and, and go up into the hills and the mountains and, and just survive as long as I could. Um, and then eventually, when I'd like run out of resources and I was like, you know, not surviving, I'd go down to the train station and just basically get caught by the you know the train conductor. And then he'd have to ring the police and then they'd take me back and then I'd save up and, and I'd wait for my next time and I'd, and I'd keep running away and doing that. And that was like um, my escape um, where I could like be on my own and feel safe because, you know, I, I, I had no one to, no one could hurt me. I was just out there and, and, and one of the places that I found was this, it was like an abandoned farmhouse that, that was like half fallen down uh-huh. uh, on the side of this sort of mountain. And it was my recent experience of being on the bridge. Um, I've only experienced feeling like that one other time in my life. And that was when I was, when I was that age and I was, a child and, and I'd run away and one time I ran away to this place this farm abandoned farmhouse and I'd planned to not come back um, and without going into loads of details mm-hmm. obviously I did I, I didn't you know that didn't happen yeah uh, and over the years I've visited this this abandoned farm place and I've always had the idea that one day I'm going to buy 
that land. Oh. And I'm gonna I'm gonna build a center there. Um and it's gonna be like a, a place, like a retreat where people can come and we can do jujitsu, we can climb, we can hike, we can oh, so cool. do all these different things. Um and it's just uh, like you say, give life skills and lessons and and have a, a, a center where people can come and they don't have to worry about the life. They don't have to worry about, you know, their home life. They don't have to worry about what's going to happen. They just know that they can come and stay there and, and, and they're safe. Um, so, that, you know, that's my future, future goal. Um, that's cathartic so- as hell. Like, that is so, and I'm looking at this and it looks like it's like 100 miles from England to North Wales. And North Wales is like your literal spot where there's not a lot of like houses and stuff like that. There even looks like there's like some like some uh, forest land that they have set aside. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. There's lots of mountains. Uh, there's a mountain called Snowden, which is which is like the, the national park, which is like the second biggest mountain in the UK. Wow. Um, so it's it's a great place, um, and and you know there's just so much you could do there, which which would be mentally good for your mental health, you know, because it's it's outdoors, it's it's near mountains and lakes and rivers, and there's just an endless amount of activities that you could do, um, as well as all the you know the cold water therapy and like meditation mm-hmm. and yoga and all these different things. The idea would be to similar to what you said, would it would be to go okay is there a yoga teacher out there who wants to come and who wants to come and be a part of this? Is there a, is there a kayak instructor who wants to come and be our kayak leader? Is there a, is there a, a rock climber who wants to come and be our, um, our lead mountain, you know, guide, you know, get all these people involved. And then we have a place where people can come and, and do these activities, but whilst they're doing them, they're, they're, they're learning and they're, they're getting this help, this mental health help they need, um, this therapy. Dude, that, and like, it's like so, so wild because like, for me, it just all makes so much sense. Like looking at just you walk like a kid and you're trying to like run away from, you know, from the places that you were at and like the traumatic ex- trauma and things like that. And eventually you just like run to somewhere that's like super woodsy. And that's like the pinnacle of like the distance you go you know that if you go that far that they're likely not to find you and then like but then you you now have this part where you get into this low as an adult and all of a sudden you're like well you have this vision of like walking literally 10 times the amount that you walk there but without protection on your feet and relying on your body and seeing how much you can adapt with your body based off of the stress that you could put yourself through and all and not pursuit to just see like how strong you can be, but to like watch what happens to your mind, to to give yourself confidence and certainty that you are something that you probably always have been all along, to be honest. Yeah, one of the things I, I, say, I say is um, I was I've been very careful to say is that um, I'm. You know, like when we do something, a journey, we, we say it's the start to the end, you know, so mm-hmm. like uh, I'm going to start up in Scotland and I'm going to I'm going to end down at Land's End. Um, I don't say that. I, I say it's from start to beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting. But when I get to the beach and I've finished the walk, that's just the beginning. Um, I you know I don't want to I don't want to 
say that that's oh yeah it's the end because it's not it's it's the beginning of of a new direction and a new path so just your person if like even just right now way before too i'm glad i hope you teach kids in jujitsu too but like your dude your perspectives and like the things that you your turmoil the things you have to work through like at least I'd like to think anyways, like you are like an invaluable, like model of a person to someone who, you know, lives this, like these challenging lives, you know, these challenging childhoods. Like if you were like, if there was like a, a lighthouse, right. As the ship's coming to Harbor, like, dude, you like the, like one of the, like the, the, the brightest lights out there in a lot of ways. And it's not because you have everything figured out. It's exactly for the for that reason that you are is because you struggle so dearly and despite all your struggle you're still on these you're on these positive paths that are constantly pulling forward like it reminds me of a black belt thing again it's like something happens when you're blue belt purple or brown it's like you tap a black belt one day you're you know your instructor and you're probably like some people are like yeah i'm great and then like you realize what happened to your instructor oh no they just do the other thing now and now you're not going to tap them for a long time again sometimes your black belt the black belt's tired or they don't feel well and you might catch yeah. them off guard so like seeing that in you and seeing that you still struggle isn't is actually um i don't i don't want to say admirable or grateful it's so honest because it'd almost be disappointed in the sense if I were a child to be like, oh, you figured out things that I had wrong and now everything's fixed for you. But to know that like you're constantly improving and one day when you're a black belt in the mind, your work will probably not be done, but it'll certainly be less harrowing and less painful like it is for a black belt when they're, you know, when they're working really hard on the mats. Like it doesn't look like a white belt when they're working really hard on the mats. Yeah. That's like, for for me who a person who struggles with self-doubt and all those things that's the most relieving thing to hear yeah i think it was uh, it's, it's important um i was i was debating whether to you know when i was like gonna say i'm doing this walk and the reasons why i'm doing it mm -hmm. i was debating with myself whether to be like oh by the way i you know i'm doing it for mental health but and i'm doing it for this and i'm doing it for that um, and, and I'm fine, you know, I, I'm, I'm all, I'm all good. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm this strong person. And I'm, and I was debating whether to almost lie because I didn't want to be like, I didn't want people to go. Why, why would I listen to someone who is struggling themselves? You know, how can a how can a homeless man give me advice on how to have a home? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that. Yeah. But the, the homeless guy who's who's lost his home is going to give you key advice on how you should how you will not lose your home. Mm. You know, he, he's, it, it's actually like you say, it's actually me being in the position I'm in now is is like I want people to come on this journey that I'm going on, kind of with me, and see that you know we can when we're not going to be fixed. You know, just one day we're not going to just wake up and be fixed. But um, all you got to do is is take one step, take one step in front of the other, and um, yeah. Once you once you take the first step, every other step after that's easy.
but it's the first step that's the hardest. And I love that so much, Nathan. I love you, man. Is there anywhere that people can find out more about uh, about the walk, um, the details about it, or the charity that you're trying to support, or anything like that? Yeah. So um, the walk is called. I've got an Instagram page um, which is called Walk a Mile in My Shoes. Um, there's going to be more um, things going up, hopefully, in the new year, um, like a website and things like that. Um, and I'm also going to be announcing the charity or charities that I'm going to be raising funds for. Um, so I'm aiming to do that in, in the new year as well. Um, and yeah, that's where you'll see all of my progress. I try to post as much as I possibly can about what I'm doing each day. And um, it's all honest. There's no, there's no, um, this is my life on Instagram. This is my real life off Instagram. I post about my bad days. I post about my good days. Um, you know, I'm not. I don't. I don't fake anything. I don't. I don't. I don't lie about my failures. Um, you know, if I go out and do a walk, and I, I say I'm going to go out and do a ten mile walk today, and I go out and do a one mile walk, and I fail, I have to turn around. You know, I'll be posting about that because yeah. I think the failures are more important than the than the than the the triumphs. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at the moment with it all. Um, and I just appreciate any, any support and any help I can get. Um, it's going to be a long walk. (laughs) So, and, um, if you, when you do go on that walk too, um, I'll definitely be sharing all the stuff. I'll be sitting there as your cheerleader all the way across the ocean here. Yeah. So excited for you, man. And then maybe we could do a round two after you're finished with the walk, if you'd like. Oh yeah, that'd be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, be able to give some more, more, um, more discussion on 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 my feet and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see how they are after that. Mm-hmm. I'll be thoroughly excited and looking forward to that, Nathan. That's great. Thanks very much for having me on. Dude, thank you so it's been much. Great for talking your time, to you, Nathan. Like you're you're literally like I connect with you so much, um, and I've learned a lot from you, and it's been great. Thanks, talking thanks to you. a lot appreciate it yeah absolutely Great. i'll speak to you soon then thanks yeah absolutely hope you have a good night yeah you too speak to you soon all right see you later Nathan. thanks bye bye thank bye. you oh my god i love talking to nathan so much to glean from that man like i think him and i are on the same track with some of our uh some of our challenges in life and our mental blockages. And I just, I love it when I can meet someone just like me in certain ways. And I love it when I can meet people who are different from me because all of those are ways to understand myself and the world around me. And hopefully y'all can find the similar way to do that for you. You know, um, a barefoot is, is interesting. I mean, like, you know, even if you're like, well, why would you, you know, walk barefoot? That's like, you got to go slower and you have to be more careful and all these other things. And it's like, well, because then it's a reason to be more careful. It's a reason to be slower. It's a reason to be more tactful. If you're doing that in running shoes, I don't think you would have much stress and therefore you wouldn't have much training stimulus. And it's like, well, but why are you going out there to stress yourself? Why can't you just be okay? It's like, well, we have tolerances and um, 
our tolerances seem to go away when we don't subject ourselves to um, to that experience. So if I were to just go out and I were to like, I want to make it um, easy every time, and I don't ever want it to be hard. I believe that over time, my my easy goal is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller because my tolerance will start to regress. Because I know that if I st- if I do push-ups and then I stop doing push-ups um, for months, then I lose my fitness. Maybe not all of my fitness, but most of my fitness. So, with your um, your shoes, like if you don't want to run hard and you want to run thoughtful, maybe taking your shoes off is a really good way to approach that. And for some of you out there, that's exactly what you need. Well, others need to learn how to run harder and faster. <laughs> One of the things that I, my favorite sayings that I heard was easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. And I think that applies well here for myself and maybe even for Nathan. Well, if you want to check out more about Nathan, you can check him out on Instagram. It's like walk a mile barefoot. And I will um, leave a link to that in the show notes. And then when he has, um, you can follow him on Instagram. And if you're following the Becoming Human podcast, I'll be sure to, to be dropping some posts when he releases the charities that he's working with and puts his website up and everything. Uh, and I'm going to play you out with a song by Idea and Abilities called The Walls Came Tumbling Down, which... I love this song so much. It helped an angsty uh, and frustrated youth make sense of things. Without any further ado, here's idea. I'll never forget that day. The reflection of the cave in the river. The day we accidentally broke the models. Dead, alive, sleeping, awake, and genuinely afraid that there would be no tomorrow. I didn't see it coming. I must have been blind. I never knew that space existed without time. There's just some places that you're not supposed to find in the deep, dark halls of the mind. You're never not you. That's the trick. And these zombies walk around not comprehending how it feels to float in a realm where everything is nothing and you consider taking your life just to prove death is real. Well, there's no devil outside the three of us. We had no one talking about it. We didn't need the stuff, but we paid the fare and we took the train. Three teenagers helping each other go insane. And we were so excited for that day to come around. Just wanted to have fun like an average high school clown. The words can't explain exactly what we found and the walls came tumbling down. Came tumbling down, came tumbling down, came tumbling down. You guys know that no one outside us will ever understand. Truthfully, I don't even think that we do. It's like thinking about thinking and watching your head orchestrate reality with the absence of ego. I can't explain it. I can't find the words. The world probably thinks we're disturbed. But when I stood up on those rocks, I was in hell. And y'all were both there with me. By your faces, I could tell. And I admit, it was dangerous. We could have fell behind a trap door and never got out. But the fact that we did, see, that means we're strong and the experience was all well worth it, no doubt. We never have to go there again. Maybe we only made it back by pure luck. But if I was asleep my whole life when I finally woke up, at least I knew that existence was nuts. We were so excited for that day to come around. Just wanted to have fun like the average high school clown. But words can't explain exactly what we found. And the walls came tumbling down. 
Girls came tumbling down, came tumbling down, came tumbling down, came tumbling down. We ain't ever gonna look at anything the same. Perception, animation, happiness, pain. I still feel like I'm sitting on that bench and nothing around me makes sense. I remember the rain and the night falling right before our eyes. Horrified in a universe we don't recognize. Let's not alter our nervous system for safety. Let's just watch ourselves paint ourselves in this painting. It's crazy. But at least now we know it We can put together a puzzle with the piece We unfolded the brains of Funhouse A madman's playground But I know myself That's something I could really say now I hope you both feel the same Each personal heaven can breathe forever And if we're insane Fuck it, we're insane At least the three of us are insane together